Hello again, everybody. You're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. And with me, as always, is Sean Flannery. Sean, how are you doing this evening? Uh, we're here. Uh, the Mets are playing with my hope strings, which, let's be real, I gave up hope a long time ago. But they still want to win anyway because they don't want that uh, top 10 pick. So <laughs> the tank was on as much as it could have been on. And now it is the tank is off. Uh, listen, man, you play to win the game. You play to win the game, as uh, Herman Edwards used to say. Uh, but speaking of which, I'd be not doing my due diligence if I didn't mention something about the Chicago White Sox, who not only made headlines by saying that uh, that Jerry Reinsdorf might move the team elsewhere when the uh, when the deal with the uh, ballpark down on the south side, guarantee rate field, expires in six years. He's talking about moving out of the city, maybe into the suburbs, some of the surrounding area to, in, in Chicago land, or just get out of the city, get out of the state entirely, which he's done that before. He's <laughs> done that before. That's how you got that news, that, that brand. That's how you got guarantee rate field, formerly known as the new Comiskey ballpark and those ugly ass blue seats. That's how he got it. Cause he threatened to move to Tampa Bay. If he didn't get his way and by darn it, he got his way. He, before it was a, the cool thing to do that these baseball uh, owners used to do are now doing on a regular basis. And that's hold every municipality hostage on like, look at the Oakland athletics, right? Well, the White Sox did it first. And not only that they did it first or before it was a cool thing to do. Maybe there were other teams that did it before them. I just know that the White Sox were, um, were the more prominent team that did it because not only did they get a new stadium, but they got this whole state of Illinois to pay a hundred percent of the cost for that stadium with the ugly mm. ass blue seats, the <laughs> steep, the the in, the incredibly steep uh, nosebleed sections at three hundred level sections or whatever they're called now, uh, which to this day I've I've never ever had to sit on in that area ever in my life, so I'm happy about that because nobody goes to White Sox games, so that means you can <laughs> actually afford to get the good seats. Um, but no, he's saying that he's going to move the team if he doesn't get his way, which judging by his track record. It's like there's a good chance he might get his way again. So I don't know if this means I didn't read I didn't get a chance to read the entirety of that article as to what he means by moving the city if he doesn't get what like renovations, uh, upgrades, or a brand new stadium in Chicago. Which I mean, have you seen our roads? The last thing we need is a brand new stadium for a team <laughs> that nobody goes to see live. Go ahead. You see, that's why I, I was shocked. I, I had heard that Kansas City was. I thought they were just like doing massive renovations yeah. to their ballpark, but they released the renderings of their new stadium. They're building a, a whole new one. So yeah, I was kind of shocked by that. But anytime I hear of like the teams and the cities going at it, it just makes me think of the Eric Andre meme of where he shoots the guy. And it's like, who would do this? And it's like each side is just sabotaging themselves and then pointing saying it's the other person's fault. And it's just very, very fun to watch. But yeah, the, uh, 2018 White Sox, 25th in attendance, 23rd place for the Kansas City Royals. Uh, so 2019, Kansas City, 26th place, White Sox, 23rd. So they kind of flip are flip-flopping. Uh, 2020, does that count? No. So let's go to 2021. <laughs> and again, this 2021, this is supposed to be a good White Sox team. Where are they? Uh, four, they they jumped up to 14. So even with that, the upstart uh, Chicago White Sox team, they only went up to 14th. Where are the Royales? They st- they stayed at 22nd. So all these low-level attendance teams are getting possibly new stadiums. 19th in 2022 for the White Sox, 26th for the Royales. And in 2023, this year, 
White Sox back at it at the usual spot, 23rd overall, the Royals at 28th. You know what they say, build it and they will come, right? <laughs> they will build and they will come, except unless you're the White Sox, because they build they everything. Won't. <laughs> well, they build everything around them except for a, a, a good team, right? <laughs> Which brings us to our next topic. And again, I, I, I feel like, you know, I'm wearing my White Sox hat today. I feel like I got to talk about it. Rick Khan and Kenny Williams, the day has finally come where both of these guys are finally fired, which it, it makes me sad anytime I see any anyone get fired from Major League Baseball. Um, you know, and Reinsdorf, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, the chairman, sorry, not the owner, the chairman, he's the chairman of the board. He's a, he's proven to be a very loyal guy. He's just loyal to the bone. <clears throat> In this instance, he probably shouldn't have been this loyal because yeah. he gave Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn, the general manager, at least I think that that's the official title, but the guy they basically run baseball operations. Um, they I think he gave him way too much, too many chances, way too many chances. And they probably, I mean, Rick Khan's track record in drafts alone. And if you want to take a look at who the White Sox have drafted in the first and second round the last few years and tell me how much you want to vomit after seeing that <laughs> list. And it's weird because Rick Hahn was brought in because, okay, well, Kenny Williams, clearly his days have gone by. He's only picking athletic players. He doesn't pick any, like, baseball uh, skill, like the baseball skill set that we talk about here, like the Nick Magicals of the world. That's not Kenny Williams. He's going after the Jared Mitchells of the world, right? These he, He's athletic, Al Davis of baseball. Yeah, the athletic. Can you <laughs> run fast? Can you run a 4-2-40? Um, <laughs> fast, athletic guys that can leap high and jump high and do this and do that. Whereas Rick Khan, you know, he wants those, those uh, skill set guys, the crafty guys, right? And unfortunately, it's just too extreme on both ends of the stick here. And it has not panned out. A lot of those big name prospects at the White Sox uh, were able to get a big boost in attendance back in 2021. All those guys were traded for. Eloy Jimenez traded for. Luis Robert, well, international signing, whatever. Yoan Mancada, he came from the Boston Red Sox. Lucas Giolito, Nationals. Reynaldo Lopez, Nationals. Uh, Dane Dunning, who they mm -hmm. refused to trade in 2020 because they, they can't trade away Dane Dunning like that. <laughs> Nationals. Uh, who, who am I missing there? Okay, Andrew Vaughn. I guess he was the only draft pick that actually panned out a little bit. Somewhat. But, <laughs> somewhat, yeah. Uh, Zach Collins. That's another former first-round, second-round pick by the by Rick Kahn. Uh Zach Birdie, former first and second-round pick by the White Sox. All the, I mean, the list goes on and on. It's just... It, I don't like to see it. I don't celebrate these firings because i know these guys work really hard you know what i mean uh, even kenny williams as 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 thick-headed as he can be sometimes i know that he works hard at his job same thing with rick Khan, but the results aren't there as we what do we talk about sean all the time there's a results oriented business that's right? exactly what reinsdorf said in his press release too that's exactly that's thing, what he said it's the thing to say and i'm pretty sure he's hurting but at the end of the day this is this probably should have been done a long time ago because you cannot have this poor track record uh and not just that but as we talk about the White Sox, when's the last time we actually got excited about a White Sox prospect that was not an international signing and that was not traded by from another team? Like they actually drafted the guy, uh, developed him through the system, and he made it his way all the way to the major leagues without any issues. I and don't I think, think it's there. It's that so many trades from guy the guys that they brought in. So what, Carlos Rodon done? And even then, he came with a no, lot of damage? Yeah, and even, yeah, that was, you know. Well, it's, it just seemed to me that to, uh, like, try and put a cap on it was, like, the worst thing that could have happened with the White Sox was the whole 2020 and 2021, you know, making the playoffs both years. And 2021, they were a 90-plus win team in a very, very weak division. Um, 
And it was just like, it kind of gave false hope for where they actually were in terms of talent and roster construction. And then of course the whole, uh, Larusa, and then who was before Larusa? Uh, Ren- uh, Renteria, Rick Renteria. Yeah, Rick Renteria. It just it seemed kind of all over the place. There were too many things that just didn't make sense. Well, here's and... another one for you. I'll give you another name out there. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf insisting that we should bring back Robin Ventura to manage the team, even though Ventura doesn't want the job, and Ventura doesn't have any experience managing at any level. Yeah. Let's bring him back because you know what he what Robin, Robin Ventura does, and you could appreciate this, right? Because you're a Mets fan, and Ventura did play for the Mets for he a did? while. Yeah, Robin Ventura oh, played no, for the I, Mets. I, I, that was a, a affirmative. It wasn't a interrogative. Oh, yeah, I no, no, I know Robin Ventura played for the Mets. But he, one of the things that he mentioned about Ventura is like when he walks into the room, he just lights up the place with his smile and his uh, his personality. Which if you ever if you ever see Robin Ventura in in, in that kind of setting, he's like the most mellowed guy you're ever going to meet. Very low-key, down-to-earth. Yeah. He's not a rah-rah guy. He's basically... I'm not going to compare him to Aaron Boone, but yeah, it, it was very rare to see Raman Ventura get animated, get angry, right? Yeah. But that seems to be the guys that Reinsdorf likes a lot. I mean, he also... This is the same guy who hired Jerry Manuel, another Mets guy. It's yeah. a lot of crossover with the Mets here. <laughs> Jerry Manuel, uh, he was notorious for being a guy that just low-key, very... Cool uh, as a cucumber. Yeah, Gandhi-like. <laughs> and it was... And the few times that he did show animation, it seemed like it was because he was just trying to prove a point to the critics that he can't get animated and it just came off as phony and he can't win. And that's yeah. the problem. If you can't win, you can't win, right? Smiles win. don't score runs. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's the a chicken before the egg if you score runs you will smile but right. smiles themselves cannot score runs right right and um i don't know man uh that's just i don't know where the white Sox go from here uh, what do they do i mean rick Hahn was supposed to be the smart the, the smart guy and kenny williams was supposed to be the fire and brimstone guy but with the track record because he obviously put that team together in 2005 from what i remember i think he was yeah he yeah he was involved because i remember that in 2000 2001 2002 He's the one who traded, um, my, oh, the names are escaping, Mike Sorotka for David Wells. And then the Blue Jays find out that Sorotka's shoulder is so poorly damaged that they don't know if they can salvage anything. And Kenny Williams like, oh, well, buyer beware. We tried, I mean, you, you, saw the, you saw the medical records we saw. So I wasn't aware that he was hurting. And that was Kenny Williams' uh, welcome to the MLB executive uh, circle as a guy that no one can trust. But yeah. he overcame that because he got a World Series championship. And if you look at that team, it was a team full of veterans. And if you ever look at those Kenny Williams, how he tried to uh, preserve that those, that championship window open, bunch of veterans, Jim Tome, um, Sandy Alomar, Roberto Alomar, Ken Griffey Jr. Like, let's LaRoche. see these guys. <laughs> oh, Adam Adam and Drake LaRoche. You got to have – they come in pairs, those guys. <laughs> so, anyway, that, that was Kenny Williams' downfall. And then Rick Hahn, you know – Recon. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, man, the track records were not there, and they justifiably so they got fired for it. And where does this team go? I don't know, man. I don't know. This is a team that can't even bring convince people to watch their own team on a nightly yeah. basis. What can this team do to correct everything from top to bottom? 
And it's going to take some spe- a special person, whether man or woman, because now women are involved in front offices. Mm-hmm. If you can do the same. What's the woman's name from Miami? What's her name? Kim again? Ang. Yeah. What the hell did you just say? Kim Ang. Oh, like. <laughs> <laughs> Kim like, Ang. Like, you thought I was doing like uh, uh, Armadia uh, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Kim Ang. <laughs> Kapa. Is, that, is that the name? Of, is that the son of a bell? Is that the. the uh, doing. doing. <laughs> Cross the border, Taco oh, Bell. Gosh. Um, God. Yeah, get me that. Not it's, sponsored. <laughs> not sponsored at all, but we will gladly take your dollars. Um, but yeah, you bring me a Kim Ang or some or or some sort of protege or or anyone at this point, like the Becky Hammond equivalent of Major League Baseball. I would be happy for I'd be happy with that. Just something. Give me anything. Give me some <laughs> reason to believe in this team again. Before, because honestly, I haven't told this to anybody. This year was probably going to be the last year I was ever going to root for this White Sox team and just throw away my White Sox gear. Years and years of just collecting White Sox gear would have been all for nothing. And so, you know, this is ridiculous. I can't do this anymore. This is like another year (laughs) of underachievements from the White Sox. Like, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I doing this? It's bad enough to be a Cubs fan. As you know, it comes with all those um, (laughs) trials and tribulations of being a Cubs fan. But then you're going to add the White Sox, who are basically the same effing team. But like more mediocre because what's the joke? It's like the, they're the most 500 team you're ever going to meet in person. Yeah. But just something, anything, show me something that you are going in the right direction. Your your rookie team and your A teams are going to be uh, your A minor league teams are going to be worth monitoring. Your double A guys are going to just jump off the board and, and and be there in the top 25 prospects list with Triple A, give me some guys that are going to step up when they get called up and provide some much needed depth to the major league roster. Yeah, that, was, that was the that was the thing with the White Sox last year was uh, the whole time. when everyone hyped up Lenin Sosa coming up. And I swear to God, it was just because his last name was Sosa. And, and, and we, we, we saw what happened. Like he, and, he was a non-prospect that they weren't hyping until like the week before he was called up. And then he, he got actually, called up. Top then, fifteen at one point in, in, in certain lists, he was top fifteen for, prospect. Well, but, that says more about the state yeah. of the White Sox organization than. That's my point. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a sad state when Lennon Sosa, Vi Lennon Sosa, John oh, Lennon Sosa, uh, is a top fifteen prospect and he's barely a serviceable utility player. Yeah, a, a whopping four uh, WRC plus this year, which is more than double of what he had last year. He had a, a minus four WRC plus. So yeah, this is um, <laughs> improvement. This is, it's un, no, no, it's unacceptable. You yeah. can't have that, and especially when you're supposed to be competing, and now you're not competing anymore. The guys that you sign long term, they're it turns out they're not the answer. You got rid of all your best pitchers, quote unquote best pitchers, but they were at one point your best pitchers. Yeah. And now you're starting back from scratch. Dylan C still having the same issues that you and I talk about over and over and over again. Which brings us up to our next point. The real reason why we're here, Sean, is what did we get right and what did we get wrong? So back in March, we we, we compiled lists. We gave you guys some advice just from hours and hours of research. A big shout out to Austin Spiro for helping me out this winter yet again. Um, and basically, you know, we do our own manual rankings. I used to look at consensus rankings over at Fantasy Pros or just, you know, look at guys that I trust, like a Scott White or Al Melchior or uh, Eno Saris or whatever Fangraphs has and just use their rankings. But I wasn't satisfied. I had to do my own research. I had to do my own thing. And then we gladly share with you guys 
and we, you know, Sean gives the guys that he likes. I give the guys that I like guys that we don't like. And now it's August of 2023. So we, Go back into our little time machine. I have my little spreadsheet open. Uh, did I ever send it to you? No, I didn't, right? No, but uh, you can share it on the screen. Oh, okay. Let me, yeah, let me uh, get this ready then. Yeah, because I don't want to spoil anybody, but uh, we might not have a choice. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, we might not have a choice, but I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and share. And, you know, who knows? We might not even make it to all players here. We might just escape out of the infield and then call it a night. But there it is, the big board. This is what I was working on in terms of infielders. This is what I had in my top, oh, I don't know, 30, 40, 43. Oh, second baseman. There were 62, 61 uh, Josh players. Harrison. <laughs> yeah, dead last. Uh, what team was he? I don't even know what team was he. Uh, he was on the Phillies, and then oh, he yeah. recently got DFA'd and released. And uh, I saw where he was in a... Uh, I think it was the Rangers AAA lineup the other night. And I was like, ah, he's still kicking up. There you go. Well, look at all these guys. Come on, Vigio. There was no way in hell I was going to draft them. But I still listed them in there because they were mm-hmm. on Major League rosters. And you never know, right? There's Jonathan Aranda. Maybe in some deeper drafts, I might. Hey, there's Edward Julian, who's been one of the best second basemen here in the second half of the season. And the only reason he's ranked that low is because I don't know what the hell the Twins are doing. So yeah, otherwise... well, it was uh the whole Twins infield to start the year was a uh, shit show to say the least. Yeah, even with Luis Arias uh, leaving, yeah. we still don't know what the hell it was going to look like. There was uh, Nick Gordon, Jorge Polanco, uh, yep. Royce Lewis. Uh, yep. God, there were so many. There yep, still but, were. <laughs> but the cream, like like they always say, the cream of the crop always rises to the top. Mm-hmm. And Eduardo Julian, I'm really happy to see. He, he was my favorite of the bunch, and I, I, I was just I was like, oh, I, I wanted him to just start from day one so bad and slowly but surely they got him in there so yeah and i was intrigued myself I, the only thing i didn't like what the hell are the twins doing and it's, it's a question we ask about the twins what the hell are they doing who's <laughs> gonna be in their starting five who's gonna who's gonna be the closer out of their bullpen is it gonna be john duran is it gonna be uh, jorge lopez is it gonna be uh shoot i forgot the rest of the bunch there but it's a, they're a great mystery to me and i don't like mysteries when it comes to fantasy baseball right uh, there's a guy Rodolfo Castro, but we're not going to go that deep. I mean, as you can see, I, I got this highlighted. The blue means those are the guys that I would consider were I got it wrong. And the guys in orange, uh, orange, sorry, <laughs> learning French as I go here, are the guys who I believe I got right, I got correct. Um, and I left that open-ended to the both of us. What does it mean to be right? What does it mean to be wrong? And in fantasy circles, it could mean many things, right? In yeah. this instance, when we start here and at catcher, sorry, Dalton Varsho as my number two catcher, uh, I guess you can easily say that was wrong. Although I wouldn't I, be so sure. Well, now, yeah, recently, but as the season as a whole, I mean, I think last I checked, his ops, his season long ops was below 700. Yeah, it and, is. And oh, it, it, it's definitely a bad year, but it's also been an absolutely horrific year for catching. I don't care, man. That's number two. Uh, and that's a high price to pay. And and you know what? And I'm glad I wasn't the only one because I'm looking at the Fantasy Pros consensus rankings. And Dalton Varsho is listed at number two as of March 30th, 2023. So I wasn't the only one who believed this. He had a better, he's having ins- a better year than GT Real Muto. Ooh, 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 I did not know that. Just, yeah, uh, Real Muto is one of those I mean, guys. They, just... They're both at 15 home runs. Varsho uh-huh. gets the edge in stolen bases. He has a few more, I think two or three, and they're about the same in runs and RBIs. So, I mean, it, it's not like a definitively 
better, but I'd much rather still have Varsho than Real Muto at this point. Yeah, Real Muto also. Ooh, the, is that season long? Oh, no, that's not season. Since, check this out. Since June 12th, uh, Real Muto has had a 29% strikeout rate. Yeah. That's not good. Let's see. But season year today, I want to I wanna really look at this because I know the counting numbers are everything. But at the same time, we know that uh, what's his face? Uh, Varsho should be playing a lot more. Yes, he right? has. It's uh, 459 plate appearances to 425. And that's actually like the second or third highest amount among any catchers because that's the other thing that I've noticed. Right now, there's only one catcher with more than 500 plate appearances, and that's the venerable Adley Rutschman. Uh, Salvador Perez has a bunch, mainly because he's only DH this year. Uh, hasn't caught all that much. Um, but really, the the quote-unquote best catchers from this year, the Will Smiths, the Sean Murphys. Uh, Will Smith, 422. Sean Murphy, only 362. Uh, just looking at the catchers that have at least 200 plate appearances this year, mm-hmm. uh, there's 40 or 35 of them, sorry, and only 15 have an above league average WRC+. plus. Only, I think, seven. Yeah, seven have more than 15 home runs. It's just, it's not much. It's really a weird group. Um, If you paid the high price on catchers this year, you more than likely got burned. Unless Will Smith, but even like Will Smith isn't. I love Will Smith. We've talked about him for a long time now. But it's just, like, he's had a good season. Mm -hmm. Not great. I mean, you could have drafted someone like the the Jonah Himes or the William Contreras way later and gotten roughly the same production. So it's just the catcher just is rough this year. Very, very rough. <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, yeah, Romuto is uh, struggling as the number one catcher. He's not even the number one catcher, yeah. depending on what the metric you're using. But still, he's still having a better I would say he's still having a better season in terms of like rate stats, in terms of a, a, a per game appearance, a per game points per game or any whatever metric you want to use in that regard. Because Varsho, the only reason he has, I see that he has 15 home runs just like Real Muto does, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. but it's because he plays more, right? Yeah. Uh, I will I say mean, that. There, there how many plate appearances? It's, it's also only a gap of about 20, 25 plate appearances. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it, it still accounts for why it's about equal, despite the fact that yeah. Varsho has a 667 ops versus Real Muto 777. These are Michael Jordan rules, man. Last I checked, 777 <laughs> beats 66, uh, 667 all the time. 287 on base percentage for Varsho. That's not going to cut it, man. I, I don't, it's a lot of things I tolerate from my baseball players. A sub 300 on base percentage is just unforgivable. So that's, I mean, from the race, he was at 302 last year when everyone was like singing his praises and he was a yeah, five win player. But <laughs> nearly five also, win. <laughs> he also had a 745, was it 745, 755 ops thereabouts last uh, year as well? 745. Yeah. So 755 is career high. Uh, yeah. If you can give me that from the catching position, I can live with that. I cannot live with a 667 ops. It's just not cutting it. <laughs> I mean, like I said, county stats, home runs, stolen bases, that's there. But he's killing you in batting average and on, and on base percentage. And if you're in those leagues, you got burnt. And like I said, I'm happy that I wasn't the only one who has him in number two. Because, again, consensus rankings over at Fantasy Pros also had a number two. But that means you paid a really big, hefty price, like you were talking about, to get a guy like Dalton Varsho. And back in March, I would have uh, I would have justified it. Like, hey, if you want to pay 
that hefty price for Dalton Varshow, by all means, he's going to be a catcher eligible player and he's going to be mostly on the outfield. People like you and me, we dream about these situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still remember Ryan Domit like it was yesterday because <laughs> that was my guy. Of course, he didn't do anything with that uh, extra uh, eligibility or whatever. No. But still, you live for that. Like the MJ Melendez's of the world. The, yeah, even- it's, it's kind of sad because this is going to be uh, at least for his time in Toronto. Of course, that could change with an injury or something next year. But he has zero games caught in Toronto this year. So yeah. next year, Dalton Varsho goes from being one of those top five catcher picks to just being one of those buried down deep outfielders in the pits of the outfield rankings. And that's why I was excited. Like this has you got to give me a good. This is it. This is a great. This is this is the time to get Dalton Varsho before it's too late. If you're in a redraft league, this would have been the pick to make, and I would have justified it. I would have applauded you for it. And it ended up not being a good pick. But again, I, I kind of feel I have a little bit of solace here because I wasn't the only one who had him as a number two catcher overall this year. Do you have one that you can share with us that, unless you might have mentioned it already, <laughs> do you have one that you were completely wrong on and uh, that you want to kind of admit? Probably Alejandro would Kirk. be... Alejandro Kirk. Yeah, Alejandro Kirk. Like, Just Kirk, Kirk was a guy that, like... But it's like, I liked Kirk, but I don't think I have... Kirk on any of my teams that I drafted and redraft this year. I might have one or two dynasty shares left of them, but it really just is like he was such a strong floor pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, even someone like Gabriel Moreno, who was, you know, Kirk's backup and then traded to Arizona and the Varsho deal or the Grail deal, whatever it was considered now. But it's like I, I felt really safe with those guys. And you just kind of look at what they've given you so far this year, and it's just, I mean, not good. It's just meh. But, you know, we talk about all the time a catcher, as long as they're not killing you. And it's like, I don't think Kirk and Moreno have killed you, but they certainly haven't helped you. Yeah, that's um, that counts. I count that. Why not? Let's see here. Moreno, for as much as uh, he was being heralded, he has a 693 ops. Yeah. It's still that's better than Varsho, I guess, but only five home runs and what's that four stolen bases, maybe? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's four stolen bases. He can't overtake uh, Carson Kelly. Is it still Carson Kelly down there in Arizona? No, they just DFA'd him, picked up by the Tigers. Oh, nice. So who is the guy? Is it just going to be Moreno then? Yeah, well, Moreno had been injured, I think, a couple of times uh, this year, and they were. It was a weird timeshare that they've been doing in Arizona. It's very complicated. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, every time I, I saw someone of like the the diamondbacks twitter people i follow it was always like complaining about nick ahmed playing too much carson (laughs) kelly playing too much Uh, so i just get all of this like on the periphery like i try and keep track of it all but the catching rotation of an nl west team that was fading in the dog days of summer was not on the top of my priority list but yeah it was jose herrera a 26 year old hitting backup uh, yep. Moreno was like I said. I want to say he spent time on the IL. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, he did. Yeah. So they finally uh, cut bait with Carson Kelly, though. I'm just glad uh, out of this bunch, Logan O'Hoppies, the Gabriel Moreno, Francisco Alvarez, Andy Rodriguez, and maybe uh, Yanar Diaz, Bo Naylor. I can honestly say that I did not jump on that Gabriel Moreno trainer. There's just a lot that I didn't like out of him. So I glad it's like I, I can see that. a bright future for the position. But it seemed like that there was such an influx of young players this year yeah. in terms of Alvarez and Ohapi or Ohop, whatever his name is. 
um, Moreno, uh, Andy Rodriguez, who isn't showing up on my list because he hasn't reached 200 plate appearances yet. But it's like you can see the future, but they're all going through, you know, the the rookie pains and catcher is the hardest position to really come around at and get settled into um, out of any position on the field. Well, I'm happy. I know for years I've been saying avoid rookie catchers, avoid rookie catchers. But like you mentioned, there are so many of them that it's just hard to avoid this year. And I kind of changed my tune throughout the year. Like, hey, remember when I said don't don't pick up any rookie catchers? Well, these are the catchers maybe you should keep an eye on. And I did mention Andy Rodriguez because I like his plate discipline. I mentioned Yanni uh, Diaz. Yeah, he's uh, he's been probably the biggest like out of nowhere. Um, oh, no way, brother. Not out of nowhere for this guy. No way, man. Well, I'm just saying, like, in terms of, like, he's hit 18 home runs. It's the fifth most of any catcher, one behind Salvador Perez, uh, ahead of Gary Sanchez, Rutschman, Real Muto. And it's a, still a profile that's very icky, but he got a lot of yeah. playing time at DH. Um, and yeah. with his pull side and the Crawford boxes there, it was a, a nice little yeah. matchup for him. Yeah, because I was – I actually – I finally made my – in the Baseball Life League, I finally – um fulfill my dream of having three catchers it's just it happens to be <laughs> two rookie catchers and my guy by the way well let me, let me one thing at a time my guy wilson Contreras here but um yeah i was, I was just saying that uh, i did change my tune about that hey these are the guys you should probably keep an eye on logan ohapi i was high on him not high on gabriel moreno but i was high on francisco alvarez i was high on andy rodriguez i was high on not joey bart for definitely not joey bart <laughs> But definitely high on Yanyar Diaz and Bo Naylor. So, I, I, you know, for what it's worth, I, I try my best to, hey, these are some of the rookie catchers. I know I always say don't get them, but if you're, this will be the exception this year because there's so many of them. You guys got to keep an eye out on these guys. And for the Baseball Life League, it's worked out just fine. That's a two-catcher league. I've just been kind of rotating that hot hand, the hot bat. And the guy that is not – I don't think he's on this list. Because I don't, I didn't think he was going to play this year. Let me see if he's here or not. No, he's not. Which one? And Ivan Herrera of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Correct me if, if that name is wrong or right. It no, is that's right. Ivan that's Her- right. Yeah. And he's in my minor league slot in the baseball life league. So if he ever gets called up by the Cardinals again, I'll give me four catchers and three of them are rookies. And Herrera might be the best one in terms of, of hitting of those rookie catchers that I have. Herrera might be the best one in terms of offense. So I, if you if you know how to pick them, man, if you can like kind of figure out which ones will hit and which ones are are, are not going to hit, if you can go like machete your way out of the noise, you might be pleasantly surprised um, at that position from a fantasy standpoint. You you might get away with rookie catchers, but you know Andy Rodriguez. A lot of I, I, we're spending way too much time on catchers here. But all right, <laughs> give me that guy. Okay, so you didn't really give me a guy. So is it Alejandro Kirk? Can I mark him down as your as the guy yeah, you yeah. all righty then? And uh, I'll give you this. Uh, I'll give you this light purple color. Oh, nice. The wrong. The guy I got <laughs> right was Wilson Contreras. Really quick, I'll just want to say that a lot of people. Where well, first and foremost, where did Fantasy Pros got him? I know it was not to my. Okay, they also got him at six. I got him at six, but they had some guys had him as bad as thirteen as the thirteenth best catcher. That puts him outside of a starting catcher in fan in a twelve team league, which is just horrendous to me. How do you not even consider starting a guy like Wilson Contreras? But I know that a lot of people gave me the business about, oh, that's a homer pick. You know, you're a Cubs fan. You just picked them because he's a Cubs. He used to be a Cubs player. So you like, no, no. I have always, all things equal. I've always had much respect for Wilson Contreras. Defensively, he's always had issues. And the Cardinals 
found out firsthand what those issues were. But offensively, you can do a lot worse, a lot worse at catcher than Wilson Contreras. And uh, I, I and I, I was pushing hard for him. Hey, yeah, he's going to be on a new team. That's fine. But he's still going to hit. He's still going to produce for you. And as of right now, Mr. Flannery, as of right now, that's not the right leaderboard. Uh, but yeah, Wilson Contreras, number five in offensive runs above average. The uh, fan checks metrics that they use to compile the offensive side of the of the wins above replacement. Fan graphs. Fan graphs, right? Statistic over at fan graphs, correct. I'm happy that I'm happy with the production. I'm happy with him being my number one catcher uh, in two in two out of the three leagues. So I get myself a, a pat on the back for that one. Let me. <laughs> who's the guy that you uh are proud to say that he was your guy and you got it right i think I, I was always pretty confident in adley rutschman um and just with the pure volume of playing time that he's had uh like i said he has more played appearances than any catcher by like 70 uh which is just kind of outrageous when today's game he's caught 119 games how many games have been played probably like 130 He's so, at 119 games so far this year. This yeah, is that's not all caught, obviously. He's oh, DH'd yeah. some. Uh, let's see. 531 plate appearances. That has yeah. to be number one on this oh, list. Oh, yeah, it's by at least 70. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, the, the next closest is 70. He has caught 88 of those games. Uh, and, of wow. course, it's just been that'll do it. solid, that... solid offensive production, solid batting average, really good OBP. Uh, you would hope for maybe a little bit more power, but you'll take the 16 home runs, 60 and 60 already, probably going to end up around 75, 75 in runs and RBIs, if not more. Uh, it's just, I mean, I would love to have him on every team next year. Yeah, this might be, this This has to be your consensus number one catcher for next year, right? Yeah, probably. Has yeah. to be. No, yeah. not probably. This has to be right here. Uh, he was number five by fantasy pros. He was uh, at best the number one catcher. At worst, he was the number eight catcher. Um, and he was going 23 picks ahead of his ADP. Apparently. I think it'll be him, uh, Will Smith. And honest to God, it could be Jonah Heim. I Maybe. don't know. Like that, 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 that group of that threes just kind of sticks out at me as like the three guys that'll be on the top of that list next year. And Who knows? Hero- probably end up with JT Real Muto on every team because he's finally going to be like a discount pick. <laughs> <laughs> I, that might be it, man. That yeah, might that, that might be the move. And then don't forget about William Contreras, who I also like. MJ Melendez finally showing some signs of uh, of of life the last few weeks or so. But he's will he playing- be catcher eligible? Ah, crap. That's a good point. You want to check that out while yeah, we move I'm over looking. to first base? Uh, he has caught 10 games this year, started seven of them. So depending on your league's eligibility rules, he, he might not have catcher eligibility. We need 20 in our leagues. Yeah. Crap. He's played oh, 70 uh, games in right field, 34 and left. Damn it. Oh, well, it was a good run. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. All right. Let's start with you. Who's the guy you're proud of on, 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 at first base here? Uh, Probably going to be... Oh, I did not have first base pulled up on my list. I was still on catcher. Sorry. Uh, Go ahead. Let's see. Uh, Probably Yandy. Probably Yandy Diaz. This this was, this is the year of Yandy. Uh, Once again, just he, he got off to that amazingly hot start. was hitting for more power than ever. Uh, It's kind of tapered off a little bit, 
but we always know that I've been team Yandi and this has definitely by far been his best year uh, playing a lot more first base than third base this year. And um, I find it hilarious looking at the WRC plus leaders for first base of all first basemen with at least 200 plate appearances. <laughs> it's the names in the top 10. You have your typical, the Freddie Freemans, the Matt Olsons, the Cody Bellingers, the Pete Alonzo's. Uh, and then you have Yandi, Wilmer Flores, yeah, Luke Rayleigh, oh. Brandon Belt, Ryan Noda, mm-hmm. and Christian Walker. And Ryan O'Hearn, for good measure, at number 11. Gross. Ryan O'Hearn. I remember him. Royals. Yep. And he's been uh, actually good for the, the Orioles. Orioles? Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it's... I that's, hope the White that's Sox witchcraft. That's witchcraft. No, but my answer his... is Yandy Diaz. Yeah, which I got. I had to look for him at third base because he did not have at the beginning of the year. He did not have first base eligibility. So, but he now he has first base eligibility now. I bet. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> he was the 29th uh, best first baseman. How does he not have? Wait, what did I do wrong here? Where he does not have first base eligibility? He should have had first base last year. Let me look. Austin. Um... <laughs> But no, he was according he, to oh, no, he only had 17 games at first base in 2022. He had 81 in 2021. So there might weird. it might have skipped a year there. Yeah, I don't know what CBS. I mean, I have it down for CBS eligibility, which I believe is still one of the harshest, um one of the the, the higher standards of yeah. uh, of position eligibility out of all the platforms out there. Yahoo, I think if you sneeze at a position, you you're <laughs> uh, you're eligible. Victor Martinez still having catcher eligibility in like his last year. Yeah, I mean, he sneezed. <laughs> Something there, absurd. So. But Yanni Diaz was the 29th first baseman listed here, uh, according to Fantasy Pro. So I had him ranked as the ninth best third baseman. So yeah, I, I did not expect that even out of him. But you know, top 10, I guess that's not too shabby. But I I, I gotta be honest, when I saw that Yanni Diaz was my ninth best third baseman. Hell, not even Yandy. Cabrian Hayes. When I saw Cabrian Hayes was number eight, I figured, wow, this is a weak ass year for third baseman. <laughs> and a lot of my mock drafts, I, and I know we're skipping first base and going straight to third base, but it's being brought up because of Yanny Diaz. A lot of my mock drafts uh, back in March, even February, mm-hmm. I had I made sure I drafted Gunnar Henderson as my last ditch effort to get a third baseman on my team. If I didn't Gunnar Henderson, if I did not get Gunnar Henderson on my team, I was gonna be a sad boy. So I'm, <laughs> it, it, that's why I have him ranked as my seventh best third baseman coming into the season. Cause I did not want to deal with any of these guys, but anyway, we'll save that for later. First base, uh, the guy I'm proud of the most, it would have been Vinny Pasquantino. Cause I basically drafted him in all three of my leagues, but I have to settle for Nate Lowe just because I was able to get both of these guys, these both Vinny and, and Nate Lowe. I was able to uh, uh, kind of, justify waiting around for first base again not you know avoid the reese hoskins jose abreu's of the world and just wait a little bit for the ninth spot and nathaniel Lowe. and i was able to get him in my in the mardi gras league but best of all i was able to get both vinnie p and nate Lowe on the same team which is to me would have been highway robbery if uh pasquantino would have stayed healthy unfortunately yeah so but again Nate Lowe still doing better than CJ Crone, doing better than Anthony Rizzo, maybe not as good as Christian Walker, definitely doing better than Josh Bell and Roddy Tellez, definitely doing better than Andrew Vaughn. And so, yeah, I'm happy with the low pick there. And, uh, yeah, so right now, according to offensive runs above average, he's the 12th best first baseman this mm-hmm. season, 
which, you know, that last I checked, you know, if I pick him as my number nine guy and he's only giving you 12th, 12th uh, ranked first baseman productivity, what the hell did I actually gain from this? But I'm, I, I can honestly say I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that ranking. I'm happy with him being in my Mardi Gras league. And who knows, maybe as the year goes, uh, we'll see what he does in the last couple of weeks as we get into the playoff time. But I have high expectations. I always had high expectations from Nate Lowe. I know you like him as well. So Yeah, that was the thing was with how well he played in the second half last year, you know, was second really to only Aaron Judge. I was probably maybe a little bit too high on the hype train with him. But even I thought that he was having a worse year than he actually was. But looking at him so far in the year, 124 games, nearly 560 plate appearances, I think that's only behind Freddie Freeman in terms of total plate appearances, 15 home runs, 76 RBIs or 76 runs, 67 RBIs, 127 WRC plus 275 ish average, 370 on base, 450 slug. That's okay. I I can live with that. Uh, You better have some like really good outfielders that you passed on the, the Freddie Freeman's and the Matt Olson's and the Bellinger's and whatnot. But like, once again, this is a guy that is, doing very well it's not a bad year um but maybe i was a little bit too high but definitely not so high that i can be like oh i I missed this one i was gonna say um you want to hear my outfield when i drafted nate low yes of course you do uh jordan alvarez okay mike trout and aaron judge that's yeah that nathaniel low will work with that (laughs) does it work because those those these suckers were hurt the entire year okay (laughs) that is true they they did miss a lot of time this mardi gras league just pisses me off to no end (laughs) like when i even when i do things the right way i still get burnt anyway uh some a little bit of tidbit about nate low uh 354 woba 127 wrc plus which you mentioned uh yeah you could say well that's 12th place production and you're bragging about getting him as, as the ninth best first baseman. It could be worse. Paul Goldschmidt at number two, he's providing you with a 353 Woba and a 126 WRC plus, and you had to pay a hefty price to get him. Yep. So, but I guess on the flip side of that is you get five more home runs from Goldie and 10 stolen bases. I don't care, man. The race stats <laughs> always went out. And it is, also- it is kind of wild. Freddie Freeman has 16 stolen bases this year. Yeah, I got all of those That's only rules. one behind Cody Bellinger, who has 17. Granted, a lot more plate appearances and time on the field for Freeman compared to Bellinger. But still, I, if you would have told me that they would have been within like one stolen base of each other at this time of the season, I would have just laughed at you. Uh, Andrew Vaughn is the guy I was wrong on. And I know he's ranked at 15th, but I was justifying Andrew Vaughn being, if you if you really, really are waiting for for first baseman you at least could wait around for uh, Andrew Vaughn he has multiple eligibility at left field and right field for those leagues that play in that type of style of outfield where you split the three positions into three parts I guess if only he had the second base eligibility oh that would have been (laughs) awesome but I mean but this is me basically saying I would rather have Andrew Vaughn than Ryan Mountcastle that's wrong uh I'd rather have Andrew Vaughn than Josh Naylor wrong yeah Andrew Vaughn over that that's I feel like one guy that we probably didn't talk about enough what Josh Naylor? Yeah, Josh Naylor. I barely knew her. Uh, is he better? <laughs> Andrew Vaughn is better than Tristan Cassis. Wrong. Better than Joy Manessis. That might be wrong. Oh, God. At least is he at least better than Spencer Torkelson? Maybe. 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 Uh, not right uh, now because Torkelson's on an absolute rager. I'm not sure if you've been paying attention to anything when Detroit lately. No, him, I. Uh, him and Kerry Carpenter are on like yes. Oh, it's absurd. It's <laughs> I did absolutely, know. I, I think he's slugging like a thousand over a thousand slugging, not OPS slugging over a thousand over the last like 10 days or something like that. 
Yeah, I did notice Torkelson available and, and Kerry Carpenter available in a lot of my leagues. I just, I did give Torkelson the chance. Of course, he makes it to my team. He sucks again. But of course, I drop <laughs> him and he's good again. By the way, Torkelson, the 21st best first baseman, according to offensive runs above average. Andrew Vaughn, 34th place. So wrong. That was wrong. <laughs> So, yeah, so, yeah, there was a lot of good first baseman in, in, that you could have waited a very, 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 very long time for. It helped Brandon Belts there at 29th place. Yeah. And he's doing better than Andrew Vaughn. Uh, who's the guy you missed out on at first base? Uh, I would probably say either Josh Naylor or, like, Alec Bohm. Not No, not Alec Bohm. Nice. I thought Alec Bohm would do better. Uh, Alec Bohm's at third base. Yeah, but he's played a lot of first base this year. I don't care. He's not. Okay, at- <laughs> okay I, I already did Yandy Diaz. I guess I can't do another first baseman, third baseman. I didn't read. Yeah, the I was bylaws. gonna. I, was gonna, I didn't I was gonna, read the bylaws. Sorry. Bylaw. Um, <laughs> well, I was gonna ask. Did you want to give me another first baseman since you already got your third baseman out of the way at Yandy Diaz? You want to give me another first baseman you're proud of here? No, I, Yandy okay. Diaz was the pick, but right. uh, Christian John- Walker. Was a guy okay. that I, I had because I liked to have he did really well for me last year. And then he got like uh, had a really good, I think, like first two weeks of the year. And then he sucked for a month. And I got rid of him in several leagues, mainly via trade. I think I, I outright cut him in one league because uh, he was just so bad. Uh, but I know in the baseball life league, I traded him and immediately after trading him. He went on an absolute rager. He's hit 28 home runs this year, 84 RBIs. Um, just a really solid year yet again uh, for Christian Walker out in the desert. Yeah, every time I want to give up on Christian Walker, he um, he just proves. Yeah, because the last time I had Christian Walker was like two, three, four seasons ago, maybe. I know I had like I had him last year, and he was awesome. You know, the 36 home runs, and yeah. so I, I picked him up again this year because it still wasn't that crazy of an expensive price tag i just gave up on him too soon yeah and i've been giving up on him for a long time but i know that there was a year where (laughs) there was a year where um i had christian walker and he just did so putrid that i avoided him now like the plague that he is and of course (laughs) the last two years like you mentioned he's been doing very well let's move over to second base but hey we got some comments here uh ted cagney dominic smith is a bum that is unfortunately true yeah, Dominic I, I, brings nothing but good vibes, but I thought he was going to do more with uh, what he was given this year. He's almost in like that Luis Guillorme territory because uh, his on base percentage is 335. His slugging is 344. Yeah, that's Dalton Varsho bad. Uh, <laughs> Raheel, Car- or resident Cardinal fan here. No joke. You guys need a laugh track like that would be cool to have a laugh track. We also need a theme song. Then we, like, then we realize it's actually copyrighted and like we just get sued for we get sued money for we using. don't have. <laughs> or, or maybe maybe we can get a bunch of, uh, you know, when we do the live drafts, right? And we go on Zoom and stuff. Maybe yeah. we can get everybody. I can record people just laughing. Oh. Right? Our, our in-studio baseball life audience. <laughs> and of course, Raheel giving a shout out to Goldie because he's a Cardinals player. Yeah, that's, I have a goal. Cool. I, I still have Goldie in my 30 team. Uh, I had actually talked about trading him in the offseason, but I, I still was planning on going for going for broke. And so I said, you know what? Let me not trade him. And at first, as the season started and he was doing the same thing he did last year, I was like, oh, okay. I made the right decision by not trading him. 
But if you look at like his rolling WRC plus and Woba and expected Woba throughout the year, it's just steadily going down. And I'm just kind of like, oh shit. <laughs> you know, I just I just realized that I treat my first baseman the way I treat my NFL quarterbacks for fantasy oh, football purposes. You know, why draft Pat Mahomes early when you can get Aaron Rodgers really late? I mean, why draft Freddie Freeman when you can get a nice uh, Ryan Mountcastle later on or Josh Naylor? That's actually what I did in the podcast. The guy, Josh Naylor was my starting first baseman. And then really? he sucked and I dropped him. But then I picked him up again later on when he was good again. All right, let's go over to second baseman. Uh, let's start with Tommy Edmond, who I had as my number four. <laughs> my number four best second baseman. C- cover your face for that one. Just like, oh, yeah, Tommy Edmond, number four. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I was a guy that loved Tommy Edmond, but this was the year that I was just like, no, the price is too damn high. <laughs> now, that's not to say that I got a bunch of Tommy Edmond shares, but I, I did get him in the podcast league. And boy, has he been a disappointment. You would think that the new rules, would, it would open up the hitting, it would raise his batting average, it would uh, do wonders for his offensive makeup. And for some reason, he's just just been awful, just the absolute worst. And he came back from injury recently, and he's kind of redeeming himself now. But then you look at the year that Ozzy Alves is having, and it's like, no, this this was not the right pick. Why? <laughs> what was I thinking? Having Tommy, I know we 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 criticize Ozzy Alves to no end, yeah. but it, and it's mostly because of I, I was going to have a, a spiel about Alves. <laughs> But, you know, the thing about Tommy Edmund is that, well, new rules, his batting average should go up. He has the 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 player profile of a guy who's steady, at the very least, a steady pick. So I, I went with the steadiness over the explosiveness of Ozzy Alves because he comes with a lot. I mean, even what's his name? Edmund comes with a lot of stolen base potential yeah. and a lot of uh, he, he can provide you a, a high on base percentage as well, which is something that Ozzy Alves cannot guarantee you. And it kind of blew up in my face. Now, here's the question. Where do the fantasy pros guys have him? Tommy Edmond was the sixth best second baseman uh, back in March 30th of 2023. Yeah. Uh, but interestingly enough, Mr. Flannery, Ozzy Alves was their number four best second baseman as well. Yeah, other people were still in on as uh, on Ozzy Alves. And we know that I have been the biggest Ozzy Alves hater. Uh, I will not deny it, even when I am wrong about it, which this year, guess what? I'm wrong about it. But my biggest issue with Ozzy Albies was going into this year was that in the past, he had been a huge just numbers generator, uh, wasn't a very good hitter. He was a solid hitter. Uh, but you know he hit the home runs and then being in stuck between Ronald Acuña and Freddie Freeman brought out the best you know it gave him the most opportunity to generate value and when Freddie Freeman left they hadn't they really didn't know what they wanted to do with batting order he wasn't batting second anymore he started struggling so he definitely wasn't going to bat second anymore uh and it's really taken just an absolutely historic season from really that entire Braves lineup. It's yeah. uh, one of the best in modern baseball history, even better than the Astros who 2017 Astros who knew what was coming like 25% of the time, half of the, half the games. Isn't that how that works? Right. But um, it's uh, obviously wrong. They put he's batted second a lot this year. Let me see if I can find how many times, but uh, got sandwiched back in between Acuna and then Matt Olson, who's having an MVP style season. And obviously 
when Ozzy Albies is put in that type of position, these are the numbers that he generates. It's my worry with him coming into this year was the questions that needed to be answered about where he was going to be in the batting order. Um, mm. But now it's obviously that they got him back in the same situation that he was in before when he had success. And that's uh, what he's done so far this year. So I was, I, I, I was wrong about Ozzy Albies. Partially. I still don't think he's that good. I think he's just a guy who hits a lot of home runs as a lefty and then absolutely crush crushes lefties. And he's a, a sub he's a not substance uh flash over substance style player. I, I yeah, think it's very I, easy to overrate him. Yeah, it's basically, you know, do you want to the, the, what we talked about with Rick Khan and Kenny Williams? Uh, Kenny Williams wanted the uh, athletic attributes while Rick Khan wanted those baseball tools to be pre- prevalent. And at the end it was it was just too extreme. Albies would fall under the uh, the physical attributes kind of deal, like the athletic, uh, fast, explosive, bat speed, whatever. Whereas Tommy Edmond is the steady professional hitter who got the great plate discipline. And Albies is showing that he has decent plate discipline as well this year, only a 16% strikeout rate so far. Well, he was always a great bat to ball guy, especially like when he was yeah. coming up, like it was all bat to ball, no power. And then it was kind of when he got to the major league level, he was like, okay, I'm going to hit home runs from this side and I'm going to, sh- you know, do my thing from the other side. Uh, Cause it was very obvious that he was a much stronger right-handed hitter than he was left-handed hitter. Yeah. But the thing about Alvis is that he does swing a lot at a lot of pitches. So oh, yeah, a lot of a it bunch. is like <laughs> generating, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of it's generating your own luck. Right. Yeah. Like if, if I swing enough, it's a, it's like the Javier Baez school of thought, except that Alvis has a little bit more better contact skills and more, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, just a little bit bit of better pitch recognition as well. But Alvis uh, swings at a 53.8% this year. That's that's pretty darn high. You're yeah. talking about Mauricio Dubon, Hanser Alberto, but again, those guys also, last I checked, they come with high, yep, high contact rates. Alberto at 81.9. What's Dubon? Dubon, I thought it was at 80, yep, 85% contact rate. Albies is at 81%. So, yeah, you want to, if you're going to be aggressive, at least generate enough contact. And most importantly, generate enough contact where it doesn't, where the ball doesn't land on any gloves, right? So, yeah. So that's Albies' attributes. That's his, that's his superpower, and he does really good at it, too. So. And I think just the to put a cap on Edmund is the biggest thing that he's a disappointment this year was, one, the elevated price tag for the first time really since uh, maybe his rookie year when he got drafted. After his rookie year, he got drafted really high by a lot of people because uh, he had that half season where it was already 11 home runs, 15 stolen bases. But after back-to-back 30 steal campaigns, the rules to encourage even more base stealing and through his first hundred or so games, he only has 17 stolen bases. Yeah. Uh, That's kind of, you drafted him for 10 home runs ish, uh, hopefully batting towards the top of the lineup behind or in front of Arenado and Goldschmidt and potentially 40 to 50 stolen bases with how he had been stealing them. And you just haven't gotten that. So definitely a bit of a bust. Yeah, no, I'm very disappointed. But like I said, he's been turning it on. I'm not giving up on him. I still have him in my podcast league, but I only got one share of the guy because I, I never liked him like that. And I thought I got a pretty good price on him. I mean, you got guys in that league like Austin who absolutely loves Tommy Edmond. And I was still able to snatch him away from him. So I'm pretty proud of myself. All right, guy I'm proud of, Luis Arias. Uh, and not because I had him ranked higher than anybody else, but just the fact that Luis Arias as my 12th best second baseman, this is basically me saying, all right, this is your last ditch effort to get somewhat of a, of, of a 
adequate second baseman this late in the draft. If you don't get this guy, you're going to be stuck with Brandon Lau, Jeff McNeil, Jonathan India, which or Brandon Rogers, Vaughn Grisham, which I didn't have an issue with any of those guys. I would have gladly. I mean, I did take Brandon Lau in one of my leagues. I did take John. Oh, I tried to take Jonathan India, but everybody knows that I like Jonathan India. So guys like Melvin snatched him away from me. Yeah. Uh, Vaughn Grisham, I was able to snatch up in the Mardi Gras league. Yeah, I've got both Brandon Lau and Vaughn Grisham and both in that Mardi Gras draft. But turns out maybe I should have gone after Luis Arise. But still, that's a, that's a little indicator that, that that tells me at the number twelve spot, this is the last guy you want to get before it goes downhill from here. Yeah. And not only that, Sean, but I had him higher than the consensus rankings at Fantasy Pros. Fantasy Pros had him at sixteenth ranked overall. I had him at twelve. So, and then. Lo and behold, he's he's chasing 400. He's uh, what is he still in the in the lead for the batting title at this point? Or no? It's pretty close, actually. I I know uh, Freeman's caught up to him. Uh, let me see. I mean, not like caught up all the way, but uh, let me see positions qualified. It's going to be uh Luis Arise 358 Freddie Freeman 333 and Acuña 332. So he's still got a healthy lead, but you know, it he's not out of the woods yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I just realized that Jacob was on board for a little bit. Uh, hello Jacob, nice to see you again. Uh and again, I got to remind you guys, I'm like we're on a delay here. So I don't know what you guys are responding to. I must have said something that said, that made Jacob go pause. That was a little I did oh, say prob- something, didn't probably I? Probably the nailer. Oh, I barely knew her. Pause. Uh, <laughs> who's the guy you're proud of? Is it Edward Julian or is it somebody else? Yeah, well, the, I think my easy pick is Edward Julian. When I first realized he was getting called up, I was ecstatic. Uh, granted, I my faith was a little shaken. I didn't really know where they were going to play him defensively. Uh, obviously can play second base, but is not a very good defender there. And in the first half of this year, he was still very good, but he was striking out roughly 33% of the time. Uh, still posted 852 OPS, 134 WRC+. Plus. He, it was working, but I was kind of afraid that uh, regression was going to catch up to him. But he's only gotten better in the second half. He's increased his walk rate, which he was always an elite on-base guy in the minor leagues. He's increased to 16% in the second half while also cutting a strikeout rate from 33% to 24.5%. Batting average has gone up on base, has gone up nearly 100 points, uh, hitting for a little less power, 454 slug in the second half, but 886 OPS, 154 WRC plus. As a great philosopher Shrek once said, that'll do, Donkey. That'll do. Uh, Concern here is the high strikeout rate. But well, I also, it, it's it's come down. It's come down. I mean, it's still high. I mean, twenty four twenty four percent for someone who's walking thirteen percent of the time. That, that's a wash. He said twenty nine percent, bro. Well, for the it's, year, for yeah, the for year. the year. That's what we're talking yeah, about. But the it's year. come down. It's come down. It was elevated when you first came up, uh-huh. rookie. That that care. happens. I don't care. Be good. But no, seriously, I was just kind of comparing <laughs> Be this good. because I, I'm looking at this, and I guess I, I would have knowing what I know now. Well, if I had I known, I guess I should say, had I known that the twins were not going to mess around and give him an actual position to play in and uh, guarantee him every day at bats, I definitely would have ranked them ahead of a lot of these guys, maybe up to the Santiago Espinels of the world. But yeah, I mean, if you go one by one, I would have 
I definitely think he was better at the beginning of the year, better than John Brody, better than Alatmas Diaz, better than Tony Kemp, better than Michael Massey, better than um, uh, Jonathan Scope, better than a Rodolfo Castro, better than Nick Gordon, his teammate, better than Luis Garcia. Maybe not as good as Wilmo Flores. Maybe I would have picked Flores over Julian just because I like Flores, but, but definitely better than Adam Frazier, better than Santiago Espinal. And I don't know about Gorman. I mean, prospect versus prospect. Gorman has a, a one season uh, head start. And even guys like Isaac Paredes and Christopher Morel, that would have been too much of a price for me to. But now we're talking about putting Julian in the top 30 second baseman, and that seemed to be the rightful place to put him. But it all goes back with the situation. We don't know what the hell the Twins are doing. And that cost that cost me not believing in him for the season. And sure enough, I mean, the ops, 868 ops for a guy who, I mean, you, you want to, I know you, you want to give him a break because he's still a rookie, but. Very low contact rates. He's like well, he, he doesn't he doesn't swing a lot. He doesn't. He, he, very, he's like uh, the oh, what's the role I'm going for here? Uh, but yeah, the, extremely the extremely patient hitter. Nineteen percent outside the strike zone swing. So it's one of those like Kyle Schwarber situations where he's yeah, it's like I don't know. It's a weird. But he also has like a, a somewhat solid two strike approach. Yeah. So it, it's a weird where he kind of trades it in late in the at bat if he needs to so i look forward to see as he matures more what what kind of hitter he turns out to be if what what's real about him what's not real about him i would like to believe that he can generate more contact than what what i say 50 73 what the hell yeah is uh for I don't, from, from pitch info uh solutions 73 percent contact right not okay, great yeah. but you know by the way, I, I gotta say i'm not i'm not digging this uh fan graphs new model here i might just go back to the old one <laughs> Might just go back to the old one. These but, darn anyway. newfangled things. <laughs> and yeah, even though Gorman has a one season head start, Julian has a seventy three percent contact rate. Gorman has sixty eight and a half percent. Yeah, and, I trust the hit tool from Julian way more than I trust the hit tool from Gorman. <laughs> and Gorman also strikes out thirty one percent of the time, and that's with a guy with a year under his belt, like maybe a season and maybe half a season under his belt still. Uh, but yeah. You know, 348 Woba from Gorman, 122 WRC plus, 13.4 offensive runs above average, which puts Gorman at the eighth spot among all second basemen. So, but yeah, you're right. I would rather have Julian's player profile over Nolan Gorman's at this point. Yeah, uh, the only downside to him is the the major platoon. Uh, he had he they're not playing him really against lefties, and for good reason. He he's not Gorman or Julian? Uh, no Julian Julian. It might, it might be the same thing for Gorman. Yeah, so yeah, um, I don't know how much playing time Gorman's getting versus lefties either. So yeah, we can find out, but who cares? It's just the Cardinals. No one cares. <laughs> last place Cardinals. The last, pla- last <laughs> oh, that, place. Last place. That, that sounds so good in my head. <laughs> well, hold on, brother. It's last place Cardinals. Last place Yankees. Last place White Sox, maybe. Not last place Mets by a game and a half. <laughs> We're not. Oh, okay. Last place Royals, not the White Sox. White Sox somehow are still nine, nine games ahead. Last place Athletic. Oh, we can do that. No. Anyway, we're, we're getting. I'm getting distracted. Shortstop. I got Trey Turner, and I don't know why I'm beating myself up so much because the guys at Fantasy Pros also had Trey Turner at number one. But the way I was talking about Turner, he just came off of a heroic performance for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, you know, had a pretty darn good season last year. I mean, I had him in route to a championship uh, title in the podcast league. Um, so I was happy that 
to, more than happy to justify putting Trey Turner at the number one spot over guys like Bo Bichette, Bobby Witt Jr., Corey Seager, Xander Borger. I mean, it's a loaded position at shortstop, yeah. but it might have been too loaded even for Trey Turner. Turner has just fallen off of grace here. I, I'm pretty sure yeah. he still has. I'm he, pretty sure he still has the counting stats, but everything else about him is just. Anyway, well, go ahead. it's also uh, the counting stats by the end of the year, especially on the trajectory he is right now. Uh, he could easily end up around 15 to 18 home runs and 30 plus stolen bases as the season kind of goes on. But if you actually look at him, ever since. Uh, the crowd did the cheer thing where Trey Turner was open with the reporter talking about, you know, how much pressure he was putting on himself. He knew he wasn't performing how he wanted and how he wasn't performing up to what he was being paid um, was a really good interview. Mm-hmm. And the Philadelphia Phillies, when he came out uh, for his next at bat after that story came out and his teammates came to his defense as well, uh, they gave him a standing ovation. And ever since then, I can't remember exactly when it is, but you can tie it down almost to the date. I think it was right at the beginning of August, around the 5th, maybe. And since August 5th, he's been on an absolute rager, 191 WRC plus 373. Um, Only one stolen base over that time period, but he's had four home runs, uh, 11 RBIs over those however many games, one, two, Uh, around 12, 14 games. Uh, So really turning it on here at the end of the year. And you know players every now and then they'll have a poor season. And then in the last six weeks of the year, they just go on an absolute tear. And it makes the season-long numbers look kind of good. Even if you you knew that for the first five months they were terrible, which was basically what Eduardo Escobar did last year. Everyone, every Mets fan, Escobar is great vibes, got to love the guy, but he was the worst qualified third baseman in baseball for the first five months of the year. And then then in the sixth month of the season in September, he hit like eight home runs, had like a 200 WRC plus, and it made the entire season look like at least average. But it was like, he was so bad for so long. Yeah, kind of like Randy Arozarena last year too as well, where he turned it on in August and September. But where was his production in the first three or four months of the season? Yeah. Where uh, you can't you can't drop him because you probably put too much draft capital yeah. on him. And now nobody wants him because his numbers are so bad. And then when he turns things around, when he gets good, like his numbers overall are so bad that nobody even wants him, even in the middle of a hot streak. So, uh, yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But uh, who's the guy that you're – that you got wrong on this shortstop list? Uh, probably going to be Bobby Witt Jr. I think both of us had our concerns about Bobby Witt Jr. Yep. Uh, I think we both recognized the raw talent. We were just a little worried about just was it too many, was it too much tools over ability? And here he is. Uh, could very easily end the season up uh, with 30 home runs and 40 plus stolen bases. Absolute fantastic year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Burgeoning star. I mean, there's yeah. no other way to put it. And I, and that doesn't go without saying that I, I still don't have my concerns. Every, every time I look at my team, cause I'm in the baseball life league. Every time I look at my team, I always look, okay, how has he done in the last two weeks? And his yeah. on-base percentage is rising, but overall the 320 on-base percentage, I still would like to see that higher than that, mm-hmm. but I'll take the 281 average. I'll definitely take the counting stats, but I want more from my players like that. Besides the the counting stats, can you are you able to do this consistently? The yeah. 504 slugging percentage shows that he can uh, hit 
with a much explosiveness, kind of like a Nazi Albies type of player. Turning the bat speed into legitimate in-game power. Yeah. yeah. With, and I would it, say it's kind of the thing that I look at him or like him and Julio Rodriguez, I kind of put in the same boat. Mm. And it was like Julio Rodriguez had the great rookie year and Bobby Witt had like the average rookie year. And then in their sophomore seasons until the last like week where Julio Rodriguez turned into a man on fire. Um, it, it was like their roles had flipped. Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah. was having the historic second year while Julio Rodriguez was having a, a good sophomore year, but it, it was like still considered a sophomore slump compared to his rookie year. No, I mean, it, 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 so it, it's kind of like weird how they flip spots this year. There was a time, I think we talked about it too, but I had J Rod on my in the Mardi Gras league because that's a keeper league. So he got called off. He was protected on my minor league slot. He got, and I'm happy with his production. But then we get to August, September, and I'm noticing like, whoa, whoa, what, what happened to my guy here? <laughs> and the on base is dropping, the average is dropping. And worst of all, he's now striking out at a 30% clip. And I look at the contact rates, they're dropping, he's swinging at everything. And I was able to, hey, this guy's going to be the future of the league. You want him? And I was able to get, I forgot who I got, but I, I traded him away for veteran help. Um, but there was a lot of red flags. And then I wasn't shocked that he got off to a bad start this year. Yeah. The, the, but I was not touching him with a 10-foot pole in the first two rounds. Well, for uh, me. That, that, that was just me knowing <laughs> that what was coming, which he still had a good year. I just was not going to pay first round top, you know, 20 pick <laughs> prices for Julio, Rod- Rod- Julio Rodriguez. I pay that price. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, I think I got him in the eighth or ninth pick overall. Give me Freddie Freeman all day long before no, I, I pick I, a rookie I, I coming think, off rookie of the year. <laughs> I don't think Freeman was available. I don't think Freeman really? was available. I I have to. I God, I hate to do this, but I have to look into it. But I just remember at that point it was going to be Julio Rodriguez, or it was going to be Mike Trout, and I chose youth over the veteran Mike Trout, and I think. Uh, it might have been. That's one I would have to think about just from a pure um, total number standpoint mm-hmm. and knowing Trout's inability to stay on the field the last few years that yep. I, I maybe if I was forced gun to my head to pick between those two at that pick, I'd pick J-Rod, but I, I'd probably just pick like Garrett Cole or somebody or whatever top pitcher was there. Okay, so it wasn't Corey Dicker. It was actually our guy, Kevin Miller. But here, here, here it is. I found it. Okay, so Julio, I, I got the 10th pick overall, right? I yeah. pick Julio Rodriguez, and you, yeah, you got me here. I pick Julio Rodriguez over Kyle Tucker, over Freddie Freeman, over no. Mike Trout, no. <laughs> over Francisco Lindor, over Rafael Devers. No. But I, he, Devers ends up on my team anyway, so yeah. that, that was my. Uh, Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, Bobby Wood Jr., Manny Machado, Bill Bichette. Do you want me to keep going? Sure. Max Scherzer, Paul Goldschmidt, Sandy Alcantara, Austin Riley. You want me to go into the third round now? No, we're good. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I I chose youth and extremely high upside and potential over the shorthandedness of a guy like Kyle Tucker, Freddie yeah. Freeman, Mike Trout. Although I, I agree with you 100% about the injuries and turn, turns out that turned out to be true about Mike Trout. Uh, Francisco Lindor, who I did not know what to make of this year. And Rafael Devers, he comes back to me anyway. So, again, the youth movement. I mean, Devers is still under, what, 25 years old still? Mm-hmm. So this, my my strategy was go with the youth movement here, even though this is not a keeper league. It's a redraft league. Definitely was not touching Corbin Burns, Gary Cole, Bobby Witt. Uh, yeah, Corbin Burns, Gary Cole, Max Scherzer, or Alcantara this early. 
because I was going to wait around for pitcher. Who was my first pitcher anyway? My first pitcher I drafted was in the fourth round, Spencer Strider, which I have been very consistent in saying, if I'm going to draft a top 12 pitcher, it's going to be Spencer Strider. I don't want any of those old guys. I don't want anything to do with Sandy Alcantara. So I was consistent in that regard. And then I ended up getting Randy Rosarena in third round. I can see why my team has sucked on offense all around. Julio Rodriguez, Rafael Devers, and Randy Rosarena, who have been up and down all season long. Yeah. Um, uh, offensively, my team sucks, but pitching is where it's at because I got Spencer Strider. But yeah, I I, I, I now see maybe I should have gone with Kyle Tucker or Freddie Freeman. Yeah, but you know what? It wouldn't it wouldn't have been as much fun. You live and you learn. No, I didn't learn anything. <laughs> well, you see, there is one shortstop here <laughs> that I will mention just because I want to toot my own horn yeah go ahead and talk about how right i was in that i was not i did not think he was good i did not think what he did in the postseason made up for his rather pedestrian rookie year wonder franco jeremy pena oh yeah i mean there was so much hype on jeremy pena he was gonna bat second because that's what dusty baker had done in the playoffs and he did really well at it um no I, I told Jer- people Jeremy Pena is not, it's not going to work. And um, yeah, he's been yeah. really bad this year. Yeah. But I mean, he, I mean, I got him ranked 16th overall fantasy pros had him at 15th. I mean, was it, I think real- as like it got closer to the actual season, I feel like he went from like lower to higher, like, I, or maybe he uh, dropped like right at the end of draft season. I don't really know. I can't, I'm trying to think. I mean, oh. ADP versus ADP was going seven spots uh, later than his actual ADP, according to Fantasy Pros. At best, he was the eighth best shortstop, which that's a big mistake. Why would you do that? I think yeah. 15th, 16th overall. You see, I that, just remember a lot of people talking about him like in, in the top 10. Yeah, I, and I, I, definitely I was remember like, that. no, I was like, no. I do agree with you there. I do did see people going gaga over the guy and like, well, I'd be very careful. Defensively, maybe I, I can accept that, but I'd be very careful with Jeremy Pena because there's a lot. A lot that yeah. shows that he might not be a consistent hitter once he gets regular playing time. And that's exactly what happened. I, I avoided Jeremy Pena. I was yeah. not going to draft him. But is he better than Javier Baez? Probably. Is he better and than it was like, I, I got into several debates on Twitter. Like, I was like, can we please <laughs> bat Kyle Tucker second, please? Just maybe. And they're like, <laughs> Jeremy so Pena, Jeremy Pena's batting second. Jeremy Pena did it in the World Series. I don't care. Bat Kyle Tucker second. And even still now, I don't think Kyle Tucker is batted second. But it's not Jeremy Pena. I could have told you that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, but like I said, he's doing better than Javier Baez. He's doing better than Ezekiel Tovar. He's doing, doing better, better than, than Javier Baez. I'm just saying. I That's mean, like I mean, saying to someone who is like in like terminal care. Well, you're doing better than Grandpa who died last so year. So what, Jeremy, Jeremy Pena? Then that means Jeremy Pena's on dialysis then? Or yeah, that? something like that. But, but still, I mean. He's better than the dead body in the trunk. <laughs> Definitely better than CJ Abrams, right? Yeah. Or is uh, Abrams no, a good I'd rather um, CJ Abrams is like 30 something steals. Let's see here. Jeremy Pena, according to uh, offensive runs above average, is the 25th best shortstop at negative 5.7, right? I mean, that's yeah, how bad get, it's No, been. give me CJ Abrams over Jeremy Pena. Abrams. Oh, he's four, Abrams is 14th. Okay. Yeah, I still say that the uh, Padres did the right thing by getting rid of that, getting rid of CJ Abrams. There, I said yeah. it. Kyle Tucker has batted second one game this year, but he has batted third fifty games most of any spot. Dusty's finally learning, guys. Kyle Tucker is a top of the order hitter. Oh Come my on. God, be still Come my on, heart, dude. Be still my heart. 
Come on, dude. If I have to put up Kyle Tucker at number three, that means I got to put Jose at number seven or something. Man, you can't have that. You can't disrespect Jose Abreu like that. Come on, bro. Come on, dude. You can't do that. Kyle Tucker, the six header, is not a thing anymore. And we can only thank God for that. Also, uh, Hassan Kim having a fantastic year. Yeah, Who would have thought shout out and, to him. Nobody, like, I don't think anybody had that on their radar. Do you have him on any of your teams? I don't think so. And and I like, I actually like Hassan Kim. I just don't believe that he was this good and that the Padres would give him all the opportunities to stick him as a starter because we've, we've, we've been, I, I know I've been on him. I, I've been telling everybody who can hear me. Long-term play, this is a good pick to make, Hassan Kim. And sure enough, I did not get him in any of my, in any of my leagues. Well, Not does even he waiver even waiver. have uh, – well, I know obviously this year he does, but has he played – how many games at shortstop has he played this year? It can't be uh, many. No, I don't think it's a lot, but he did qualify for this year at shortstop. But, 23. Uh, I did he's see played him. 15 games, so he's oh, – okay. maybe by the end of the year he'll push that 20 mark. Oh, that'd be um, great. Multi- yeah. You know how I like my multiple. But getting back to Pena, I mean, 16th overall, I mean, I mean you're, that's a lottery ticket. It doesn't hurt you at that point. If you are telling me that there are people drafting him in, in the top 10, though, then by all means, congratulations. But, man, I just I just don't remember that we went out of our way to hype up Jeremy Payne. I mean, he's an afterthought. But anyway. I mean, maybe like if like Kim and definitely you're if you have a middle infield slot or something like yeah. there was there was value there as someone who could do like 15, 15. Yeah. Maybe, but he just but... he he just seemed like one of those better real life players, and the fact yeah, that yeah. he wasn't going to be playing shortstop when he was the best defensive shortstop, uh, shortstop on the roster out of like four different shortstops, um, I feel like that just kind of made me not think of him in a, like a fantasy way. It was all just yeah, real uh... life utilization, utility, like guy that I might pick up off the waiver wire if somebody gets hurt. Right, right. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, I just. Um... Yeah, he was kind of an after. I did not really think if about Hassan Kim and fantasy draft season. I'm just trying to figure out Jeremy Pena top ten. That means people out there are picking him over Fernando Tatis, maybe Carlos Correa, O'Neill Cruz. But I'll tell you what, man, Nico Horner. Uh, in both my like, categories, I, I kind of remember Dansby Swanson and Jeremy Pena going around each other in some drafts. Not some all drafts. of them, but some drafts that I have. Yeah. Where did well now you got me curious? Where did he go in the podcast league? Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena went in the sixth round ahead of uh, middle infielders like Jeff McNeil. Uh, Max Muncy, does he still qualify second base? Uh, no clue. All right, let's say that he is a second baseman. So Jeremy Pena went ahead of Max Muncy. Middle infielders like Andres Jimenez, middle infielders like Jose Altuve. I want you to really digest what I just said right there. Jeremy Pena went, ahead, went two rounds ahead of Jose Altuve in, the, in our podcast league. Well, remember Altuve had the injury. I don't care. It was the broken hand. He was going to be out like two months. Like... Is Jeremy Pena Puerto Rican? I think he's Dominican. Okay, never mind then. Because he went to Ricky Velasquez's team. He... Uh, oh. Proud Puerto Rican that he is, but okay. O'Neill Cruz also went in the eighth round. So Jeremy Payne went two rounds ahead of yeah, he's Dominican. Cruz. He's Dominican. Okay. Uh Tim Anderson. Yeah, we no, I'm not tough. You you know I don't draft Tim Anderson. I don't draft him either, but yeah. would you have if gone to your head, Tim Anderson or Jeremy Payne oh, back in March? Oh god, I, I would just 
No, auto, just pick, auto pick. pick. No, auto gotta pick. pick. Pick one. <laughs> gotta pick uh, one. I'd probably go Pena. I don't like okay. it, but at least with Pena, there's a way to yeah, younger and like okay, even if he hits two thirty, he's got pretty solid bat speed. Crawford boxes, right hand hitter. Maybe he might luck into twenty five home runs or something like Jake, that. Jake Cronenworth over uh, Jeremy Pena. Cronenworth's been a disappointment, man. Yeah, uh, I'd probably I'm, pick Cronenworth, and then I'd be kicking myself <laughs> this time after picking him, like this time of the year after picking him. Uh, would you have picked Luis Arias over Jeremy Pena? Yeah. Oh, okay. come on. Yeah. Tommy Edman over Jeremy Pena? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Dansby Swanson over Jeremy Pena? Yeah. I don't like any of these. Like, I, I wouldn't be happy about drafting them as high as they went. I mean, I like Tommy Edman, but I wasn't drafting him at his price this year. Yeah, I got Tommy Edman in the ninth round. I was happy with that. But I did. But I got him as my second baseman. Dansby yeah. Swanson. Went in the ninth round. So that means he went, Jeremy Payne went three rounds ahead of Dansby Swanson. And I don't know how that's possible. Uh, who else here? We'll go one more round. We'll go in the 10th round. Carlos Correa over Jeremy Pena. I would take Correa. Yeah, right. Which obviously hasn't worked this year, but you know. Willie Adamas over Jeremy Pena? Uh, I would take Willie Adamas. I'm, I'm the, basically every single shortstop in the tier in front of him, and even some in the tier behind him, I would take over Jeremy Pena. I just did not believe in him at all. The tier behind him, you got JB JP Crawford is actually having a pretty good yeah. season. Well, like I've, I've always liked JP Crawford as like the sneaky middle infield option who just goes out there, hits 250, might give you a, a few stolen bases, score some runs, like a guy that doesn't kill you. Right. Well, here's a guy who doesn't kill me. Nick Nico Horner. I know that I've been pretty uh, critical of him being just a slappy hitter. But at this point, all I wanted from a Nico Horner was just, I don't, I'm not asking for much power. I'm not asking for pop. Just, just be the slappy guy that you are and steal me a <laughs> shit ton of bases, get on base more. And give me a respectable, respectable batting are his average. Stolen bases down this year. I'm sorry, what? I said, are his stolen? Oh, no, he's stolen 32 bases. Jeez. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's what's he's supposed to be Tommy. That, he's what Tommy Evans supposed to yeah. be this year. Yeah. Uh, and that's all I asked for. And that, honestly, what I, what what I'm getting from Nico Horner this year, that's all I wanted from Tommy Edmund. Can you give me a? T- can you give me? I'm not even asking a 300 batting average. Can you give me a 280 batting average from both of you? Slappy guys, Tommy Edmund, Nico Horner. Can you give me a, a, a 280 batting average, which Nico Horner is and Edmund is not. 340 on base percentage is the highest it's been since 2021 for Nico Horner. Yeah. And that's the second highest that he's posted since he's been. Uh, I mean, a I would definitely trust Nico Horner's batting average and hit like that part of the hit tool. Yeah. Over but Tommy I, Edmund. Like I said, that's well, Nico Horner at as my 14th best shortstop and my. Probably my starting second baseman, wherever he qualifies at that point. Uh, which have they signed him to an extension? Yes, they uh, did. Probably, but yes, no, as the 14th best shortstop on this list, I'm not asking for much. Just be the steady guy that you are because you're going to be better than I, I think you're going to be better than Tim Anderson. I, at least you're the better, better pick than Tim Anderson, William Thomas, O'Neill Cruz, Carlos Correa, hell, even Fernando Tetis, and now even Wander Franco, right? Because Wander Franco is going to be in jail for a long time. Can you look at I'm this? I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, like okay. This. So back in March, there I was def- so like we talked about how deep shortstop was going to be, and like oh, this is the year shortstop's finally back. It's king again, and there were so many minds in this minefield. 
But then look, look who's behind all those guys, the Volpe's, the Peraza's, the Ellie de la Cruz's of the world, even Jordan Westbrook to a lesser extent. We we talked about Royce Lewis for a little bit as well. Joey Ortiz was still shortstop qualifier. And then your guy, Xavier Edwards, at number 38 overall at shortstop. We talked about him last episode, right? <laughs> yeah, we talked about him ad nauseum last episode. Yeah. I got sick from talking to him. But yeah, I'm happy with Nico Horner. Uh, like I said, I never, like, I, I'm, you know, I know I've been critical before, but that's because there's so many people that put him at such a high pedestal that he doesn't deserve to be in. All I wanted from him was just give me a steady batting average. Give me a steady walk rate. Don't strike out too much. And he's done everything. I couldn't be happier with Nico Horner. There were times, though, where he did call up to a really bad start. <laughs> and then he did get hurt, just like Tommy Abbott. But you know what? He bounced back. He's uh, let that resurgence uh, with the Cubs this year. So if Tommy Edmund wants to follow suit, I'd be a very, very happy camper. You want to hear something crazy? Last bit on shortstop. We're going to talk about two guys, or I'm just going to mention two guys that obviously we're not talking about because they've been so bad. You know how bad Tim Anderson's been this year? How bad has he He has a worse WRC plus than Javier Baez. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. They've basically been two peas in a pot sort of Sort of speak. Honestly, their strikeout rates are almost the same. They're within one yeah. percent. That's kind of wild. Had the same hitter profile, same contact rates, same swinging tendencies. Tim Anderson always ran higher contact rates than Baez. No, uh, Anderson had like a lot of like high contact years. Baez uh, had maybe one. <laughs> they both swing uh, a lot, but I think Anderson had more. Anderson was better bats ball. Yeah, sure. and even even then, a lot of the the Tim Anderson is a 2025, 2025, even potentially 30-30 guy. I think that's was a lot of smoke and yeah, just, no. yeah. just you know what people wished he could be, but he could never be that because he just there's so many deficiencies to his game. All right, let's play a game here. I got it set up. Let's go back to 2018, right? 2017. Let's let's get wild. 2017. I know Tim Anderson had a head start over Javier Baez, but I just out of curiosity, I think we've done this before numerous times, and I can't believe you got me doing this all all <laughs> over again. Uh, ops seven sixty two for Baez, seven thirty nine for Anderson, three twenty for uh, Woba for Baez, three seventeen for Anderson, one hundred one WRC plus for Baez, one hundred for Anderson. Uh, let's see what else. More power from Baez than Anderson, but Anderson has a stolen bases. Swing percentages, 56% yeah, for Javier what, Baez. That's what I want to look at. 55.8 swing percentage from Tim Anderson. Outside the strike zone contact rate, 54, 54.6% for Baez, 61% for Tim Anderson. Contact rate, 66% for Baez, 75% for Tim Anderson. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, there's a, a big gap there in contact percentage. All right. So but they both me, did swing a lot. You, got me, you, you were got close me there. there. They, they both swing a lot. In that respect, uh, they were the same. But yeah, definitely. Because I was like, Tim Anderson had like years where he was running really high contact rates, especially uh, in zone. Exit velocity, Vias, 89 miles an hour, 87 and a half for Anderson. So yeah, a lot of a lot of the potential that Anderson people spoke about Anderson is just it's just smoke and mirrors. There's really nothing to here to add here in terms of upside. And this is like in 2017, right? I think still in his mid 20s or so yeah. uh 40% hit hard hit rate for bias i mean when he makes contact he can hit if he can he can hit the crap out of the ball Anderson, 36% and then we get to batted balls right cuz now we we got to do the whole thing we can't just can't do yeah. one thing we got to do the whole <laughs> thing right uh 53% ground ball rate for anderson 
Yeah. 48.8 for bias. No, no, that that's, that's, that's not good. I don't care what, what he was potentially capable of doing. This is big reason why the White Sox suck so much ass this year is because of Tim Anderson. And that's so funny because even like back to, like you said, when this goes back to 2017 through this year, while they both were avid swingers, they had different batted ball profiles. They had different contact, like very, very vastly different contact percentages. But from 2017 to 2023, Tim Anderson, exactly league average, 100 WRC plus over 3,200 plate appearances, exactly league average. Javier Baez over that same time period, 3,500 plate appearances, 101 WRC plus. So they just ended up basically in the same spot. Yeah, like I said, there was always mirror images of each other. Maybe I got the contact rates wrong, but everything yeah. else is they might as well be. So I'll I'll take Bias's glove over Anderson's glove any day of the yeah, week for sure. And and Bias not and probably not now. I, I don't want either of their gloves. <laughs> Let's move over to third base then. Uh, by the way, even though Isaac Paredes has the sixteenth uh, highest plate appearances this year, it just seems like he doesn't play a lot for some reason i actually cut him in the baseball life i league. think I he gets like subbed out in games which that's not good for fantasy purposes but, but i mean somehow, usually he usually gets at least like two to three and then he subs out somehow i was gonna say that somehow he leads all third basemen we're talking about jose ramirez austin riley rafael devers in he plate appearances all, all no no he's 16th in plate appearances among third basemen but he leads all third basemen in offensive runs above average oh wow yeah, he has hit 24 home runs and only 430 plate appearances. I mean, I absolutely adore the guy. And I know that the reason he looks so good is because the race put him in a really good position to succeed. But man, if he could just up those plate appearances, if, if they can guarantee me the playing time, kind of the Edward Julian thing that we just talked about, if Isaac Paredes can give me the same, uh, if, they, if the race can guarantee me the playing time, I would just pick him on every single one of my teams because he has the contact rates he know he has the plate discipline he has the power to be just an awesome player in this league and and he's in the wrong situation unfortunately i wish he was still with the cubs anyway the guy, I, I, mean, I always I, forget that he started off with the cubs yeah him and jamie candelario and Jaime candelario is back with the cubs it yes. all comes full circle all right well you mentioned the third baseman that you liked but let me he let was me mention, really a first base but I mean, I gave you a chance to pick another first baseman, but uh, I'll, I'll go. I'll start with my third baseman then, uh, Josh Young, and I got him at my fifteenth ranked uh, third baseman. I fantasy pros had him at yep eighteenth overall, so I picked them three spots ahead of fantasy pros. And the argument here is at fifteen, I would rather have him over Baum, Alec Baum, Ryan McMahon, Matt Chapman, Jose Miranda, and Eugenio Suarez. Give me Josh Young over all those bums, right? That was my. Yeah. Now, how many teams that I end up with? How many times did I end up with Josh Young? Of the three teams that I have run this year, how many times did I get Josh Young? Zero times. So I feel maybe, like there's not that big of a gap between Suarez and Young when it's all said and done. Uh, I don't look. feel like they're. <clears throat> granted, I don't know how Eugenio Suarez let's has look, 18 let's home runs this year and only a 389 slug. That yeah, seems outrageous. It's like Suarez. home runs are nothing. Suarez, Suarez is 22nd overall in offensive runs above average. Young, yeah, but he's got 18 home runs, 78 RBIs. Okay, 
So Suarez <laughs> is 22nd overall in offensive runs above, above average. 18 home runs is nice, but what else is he doing? Is he getting? Yeah, well, that's uh, I'm mainly talking just fantasy counting stats. Brother, have you seen the fantasy leagues that Brother. we run? We run <laughs> Trust me, we I, don't like, for... I don't like, so, I'm just saying like peripherally, Suarez no, and Young it, remind me a lot of the same. But it should, it should translate to any league i mean I've, I've done points leagues i've done categories leagues i've done five by five overall and then the day you end up getting the same players no matter what right you can you can adjust your rankings oh well i i'm dude this is my i mean he was like a what a 130 125 like higher than 125 i think last year in wrc plus what i mean so it's like okay that was last year this year <laughs> if you're trying to project who's gonna who's gonna give you the more bang for your buck no don't get eugenio suarez and so let me let me go back to my he had back-to-back 30 home run years yeah, and, I, and trust me i was not really? as far really I was, I was really you're gonna Suarez. do that to me right now <laughs> what the hell are you talking about i was not as far as i'm just saying compared seen, to josh young plenty of players that give us empty calorie 30 home runs and we know that they're not that good and we call it out before anyone else calls it out and but they're you're gonna still valuable them. No, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> not when you get Josh Young later, right? But here, here's a spiel. Oh, what, what's Josh Young doing right now to help you in your fantasy right. team? He's doing plenty. Hold, well, now he's hurt. <laughs> no, he's he, not. He's hurt. He's hurt, but he was doing better than Eugenio Suarez. All right, all right here we go. Oh, we start God. Over. Eugenio Suarez, 22nd overall in offensive runs above average. Remember, that's the, inca- the, the all-encompassing offensive stat that they use for wins above replacement over at Fangraphs. Josh Young, and by the way, it's a negative 0.4 for Eugenio Suarez and a 103 WRC plus if you want to go there out and a 314 Woba, which that's putrid. Well, it's actually 311. I was kind of yeah, expecting yeah. it to have like amber or something. Is, amber is the color of his energy. So it, it's it's all it's not good. You, you, I don't care that he has 18 home runs. I don't want that. I, that's inconsistent play. That means that's a lot of strike. 30 percent strikeouts. So all of a sudden, yeah, that's, that's what he did last year too. When he was 30 percent better than league average. No, 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 no. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, I don't care. It was empty oh, calories. Empty I calories. Don't care. I mean, no. I reject your reality and substitute my own. <laughs> well, we know it was. We know that those are empty calories. That, that's fool's gold right there. That's what. <laughs> that's fool's gold. It's not real. I. But this is. You're talking to a guy who had him when he had the 50 home runs, and I knew that was that there was some fakery foolishness going on with him. And well, I, that was Cincinnati, I, and he was in my in the rabbit ball. <laughs> and the rabbit ball. You think I was stupid enough to keep him? Oh, because he has 50 fucking home runs. I'm going to keep no. Well, no, he, he's that's a, not a how pro- it works. No, he's a proven power hitter. No, no. The home run totals okay. by the, since 2018: 34, 49, 15, and 57 games in 2020. Okay, 31 so like, in 2021. 31 last year. 18 this year. So he's the Kyle Schwarber of third baseman. Congratulations. Good job. <laughs> Kyle, what was Kyle Schwarber being drafted this year? I don't know. But <laughs> it we'll, was we'll high. Get, we'll get to it on the next episode of this oh. total basis because we're running out of time here. Uh, but let me go back to my spiel here. 22nd overall. It has just putrid. You have me defending somebody I don't even like. Well, that's your fault. You're I not t- supposed <laughs> to defend. Don't defend guys you're not supposed to defend. What the hell's wrong with you? No, seriously, <laughs> though. 22nd overall. Offensive runs above average, and it comes with an awful Woba, awful WRC plus. I don't care what ways you but want to cut it. for the price, like it's not bad. Okay, well, for a cheaper price, you could have gotten Josh Young. Let, let me see if that's just true. Because remember, Josh Young, 18th overall by the guys at Fantasy Pros. I bumped them up three spots ahead of that. And then uh, let's see, 223 ATP for Josh Young according to Fantasy Pros. And who's the other guy we're talking about? Eugenio Suarez. Yeah. Suarez. Like I said, they're not that different. One, I strike out. 140. 
So if you would have waited maybe a hundred spots, you would have gotten a Josh Young, you would have gotten the same production. Because here's the here's the spiel to finish up. Josh Young, 13th overall in offensive runs above average, and that's with him missing time because he's hurt right at the moment. Has a 347 Woba and a 121 WRC plus well, for the what year. What was the thing to start off the year with the Rangers? Because I don't think he broke camp with the team, did yeah, he? He did. He did? Yeah. Yeah. The Rangers didn't have anyone out there. Are you sure? I mean, there's a I don't see any other third baseman from the Texas Rangers. Here. Yeah, that's on Texas Texas. You keep going. I'm just I want to look it up. No, I mean there's nobody else here. That was it. It was Josh Young because they he had a great spring from what I remember. Maybe Josh okay, he, Smith. He, he, he was opening day. Yeah. So with that in mind, I mean, the argument is that, yeah, I would rather have Josh Young than any of these guys. Wait around for Josh Young and you'll be rewarded handsome. I mean, I can't help the fact that he got, got hurt or they has a 29% strikeout rate. But you know what? Rookie pains, right? <laughs> rookie pains. We, we're, we're, we're enduring rookie pains with Edward Julian. We can uh, definitely endure rookie pains with Josh Young and Jordan Walker and all those guys. So Edward Julian walks way more. <laughs> you can't, hey, you, hey, you cannot, you cannot dismiss the, the, the production. No, I, well, I I like Josh Young. I just, I all think right, it's, a, it's a similar profile to a Huyanos, yeah, okay, Huyanos but, Suarez, who uh, you were just poo pooing for five minutes. Yeah, because it's they're the same player. No, they're not. If, okay, if fine. Josh the same Young player, has the if, even if half of what Suarez has done in the last six years, that's a success story. Okay, for but him. we know that Suarez is, is is fool's gold. He's not real. That's that. It's it's fakery. <laughs> you don't. You cannot trust. You cannot go a whole year. There's plenty of guys in my leagues that are getting burned by believing in the Eugenio Suarez bullshit. We called that out a long time ago, and not just that. Suarez is going open, close to 80 picks ahead of Josh Young back in March. For 80, if you wait 80 picks, well, yeah, more, because a Eugenio Suarez was a known commodity. Josh Young was, and that's a, all I'm saying. If you was a rookie eight, with strikeout problems coming off shoulder you, surgery, no, but that's not just that, but it's also that's exactly out. that. No, 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 stop that. We know that Josh Young was a high, was a high, but he was rookie, a high prospect, a high level prospect coming off me. major shoulder surgery who, and in his looked, limited time last year, and he struck looked, out 40% of the time, and he looked great in the spring, and that gave him the opening day position that he got for the Texas Rangers, a competitive contending team, might I add, on a very good lineup. If you did not see that coming, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you're not doing this right. You're going to pick Eugenio Suarez, who also comes with all that baggage. We know what he's made out of, but you got a guy like Josh Young with high immense potential. Josh Young doesn't have the same baggage? No, because it's 30% I mean, strikeout rate. I mean, by that, okay, fine. At number 15, that's still better than picking Eugenio Suarez as a 15th best third baseman. I think it's going, hindsight at best. No, it's not. Because not, Suarez no, was a proven not. commodity and Young was not. No, but it's That's why the, Young went way, way, way pick. after. It's still not the pick to fucking make. You don't make those picks just because, oh, fuck, I need a third baseman. So let me pick Eugenio Suarez and be miserable for, miserable for the rest of the year. No, the point is you can wait. Avoid Alec Bum, avoid Ryan McMahon, avoid Matt Chapman, which would have been, I guess that would not be the thing to do. But what is Chapman even doing? Did he, did he come to reality as well? I mean, did, Josh Young, Josh Young, third baseman. I'm asking you about Matt Chapman. Did Matt Chapman oh. come around? Okay. Wait, wait, so wait, wait, still... wait. What do you mean? Where was Matt Chapman even rated? Uh, I have him 12th overall, but I know he was like the best player okay. in all of Major yeah, League Fantasy League Baseball Pros has, is showing 10. 
Yeah, I had him at twelve. I did not believe in that that he could be the tenth best. Okay, he was outside. He was outside top one hundred. Okay. All right. So anyway, but that's the point. The point is that if we're, you could wait eighty picks, eighty to one hundred picks later, you could have gotten the same production on Josh Young and still concentrate on other players that might actually be better than those two guys combined. And you, by you know, that, you know who had an ADP five picks behind Josh Young? It is even better. What? Yandy Diaz. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we already talked about Yandy Diaz. I, I know, the, I know. The, I was just going, go, going through the third base when I cracked up seeing him at twenty third. Yeah, the, yeah. The problem is if you don't pick Ahuenio Suarez, where he was eleventh ranked third baseman, and you're picking Josh Young at nineteen, uh, you're taking a risk that you're not going to have a starting quality third base. No, no, I mean, you, in, but, in, in but, not just but it, it, was every, it was everybody in that same tier. Uh, Anthony Rendon, major injury issues. Josh Young, injury issues, strikeout problems. Brandon Jury, fraud. Justin Turner, old. Josh oh, Rojas, actually, no, don't, don't talk about yeah. Brandon Drury now. Don't talk about Brandon Drury like that. I know <laughs> I had my qual- I know I had my I really qualms just about him. hit him with a stray out of nowhere. <laughs> I, I know I had my qualms about him because he didn't get vaccinated. But when Brandon Drury is healthy, he's been a productive second baseman, but he's been very productive, and you can't take that away from him. Like to me, Josh it, Young this year was a speculative pick. He wasn't a guy that I'm like when uh, I draft. If you drafted him, listen, oh, he the, is my starting third baseman day one. I don't think many people that drafted Josh Young listen, drafted none him of with these that guys, in mind. I mean, I told you before, Gunnar Henderson was the guy. If 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 any if I get if I would have uh, missed that on Gunnar Henderson, I am screwed. But I would have been more than happy just settling for Josh Young. But of course, I'm not drafting Josh Young myself to be my starting third baseman. I would love to be like the same thing I did at first base. Have Nate Lowe as my starting, and then Vinny Pasquantino being. Well, this is the reverse. Sorry, Vinny Pasquantino is going to be my starter, but Nate Lowe was going to be my safeguard. And yeah. it turned out he was my safeguard, but for different reasons. Vinny Pasquantino. Season end and season end and injury, Nate Lowe has to step up. But I mean, Josh Young, if you're telling me you can't pair him up with, oh, I don't know, <laughs> who would you pair? Oh, Josh Young and Justin Turner. That's fine. You could survive that. Better than having Eugenio Suarez as your starting third baseman. I'm telling you, everybody who has Eugenio Suarez in any of my leagues, they're miserable. They're not happy with that pick. They're not happy. <laughs> I with would that. probably be miserable with Suarez, but that doesn't make me ignore what he was at Let's, draft time of course you can't which was you can't. his known commodity i ignored, and all. i'm not saying he wasn't he was perfect i he ignore wasn't. all of these guys and i would have gone after yanni diaz as well but i just again the rays they're a mystery to me i don't know what the hell they're doing <laughs> they're a mystery i don't know what they're doing but yeah they're like if, that weird it, lunch meat from high but school <laughs> if, if i didn't have gunner henderson as my third baseman i am screwed but I'm definitely did not get any Alec Baum. I was avoiding Ryan McMahon. I did not want any part of Matt Chapman. If I was going to get someone, it would have been Jose Miranda, but even I don't trust him that much. And Eugenio Suarez, who I'm like, no, that, that, that can't be, I'm not, I'm not going through another year of Eugenio Suarez and his 30% striker rate, but yeah, you're right. I'd rather go with the upside than a boring ass pick like Eugenio Suarez, who you don't know what the hell he's going to come with you. Cause he's just as big of a wild card as any rookie out there. And he's been in the league since forever now. I would rather have Josh Young and or Jordan Walker and pair him up with one of these veterans like Justin Turner or Anthony Rendon because you know why? The price is right. It's cheap enough where it's worth the risk. You're not – okay. And I have him at 14. You're telling me that Fantasy Pros has him at Eugenio Suarez at number 11 best third baseman? Yeah. That's even a bigger risk. And he's going – what did I say? Almost uh, the, 80 the to one, 100 the, picks the ahead of Josh Young. The three in front of him were Matt Chapman, Max Muncy, Gunnar Henderson. No, I mean, yeah, if you're not getting Gunnar Henderson, you're screwed. You're screwed. This is the yeah. Matt Ryan Chapman Hayes. or Aionio Suarez going into this year? 
what in 2023 yeah like uh, back in march oh yeah i would have had matt chapman but again this is this is the dead man yeah I, I would have picked suarez no i'm not trusting suarez I'm, they're basically the same player to me as at least josh young has some upside that you can you could point at say well if if he can do this he can do that yeah but i think josh young it, is going to cost you about what a or neo suarez cost you going it, into it, this year it didn't i'm telling you right no, now no, I, i'm i'm saying Next year. Oh, next year. Yeah, Something Josh like Young is oh, yeah, going to cost year. you what AUNEO Suarez cost you this year. Oh, yeah, next year might be different. I don't know what these rankings are going to look like next year, yeah. but I definitely I'm still I'm still going to go after Gunnar Henderson if he's available. I think he should qualify at third base for next year as well. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think so. Sounds right. I, mean, I don't think he's playing shortstop every day. No, right here. You got it? Yeah, um, let's, he let's, played, yeah, 67 games. Oh, yeah, he's, so, he's in the clear. Yeah, he's played so more I, third base than shortstop. Assuming that this list stays the same for next year, yeah, I definitely don't want anything to do with Kim Ryan Hayes, maybe Yandy Diaz, but again, it just depends what the Rays are going to do because I don't trust them as a I, I like a lot of the players, I just don't like what they do to them. Alec Baum, <laughs> I've been <laughs> been waiting on Alec Baum since forever, I don't have the patience for him anymore. Ryan McMahon sucks, Matt Chapman sucks, Jose Miranda. Ooh. I don't think he's going to be an impact for next year. I just don't know what the Twins are doing anymore. Same thing with the Rays. Eugenio Suarez, definitely not. I'm avoiding him. I mean, is Josh Young really going to be ahead of any of these guys yeah. in the rankings next year? Yes. Like, who, who's he yes. ahead of? Cabrian Hayes? Uh, yeah. Hayes right, well, will drop. Bone will drop. McMahon will drop. Jordan Walker. Miranda will drop big time because he's having, like, major hip surgery. Um. Yeah, I think he could slide up to, like I said, 10 or 11, where Fantasy Pros had Eugenio Suarez. I think he'll be right in that same 10, okay. 11, 12, 13. I got something for you. I Closer uh, to 10, though. Fantasy Baseball rest of season rankings, according to uh, – we're just going to go with this. Uh, Well, maybe this is not a good example. Well, yeah, Josh rest Young of season because Josh Young's out. Yeah, yeah <laughs> never mind. Mm. Never mind. I thought there was something where I could look at. Anyway, uh, the disappointment was uh, definitely Manny Machado. Uh, he was one of my keepers. Had high hopes for him. Uh, having him He's as a had third a better best. second half, though. He has. I know. I know. I know my... He had like an insane July. It was like absurd. But the entire season. I mean, he's still fifteenth, the fifteenth best third baseman according to offensive runs above average but the 113 wrc plus from a guy that you are keeping that you are drafting super early in drafts is not going to cut it 333 woba is so pedestrian compared to everybody else uh 317 on base percentage is that's that's unacceptable for a guy like many of many machado's caliber and uh but yeah but he's so damn talented that he still is able to produce in other ways but this is this is not i know he's 30 years old still i mean Manny Machado as the number three third baseman coming into the season was not that far fetched of an idea, and it turns out it probably was the wrong thing to do here. But although Alex Bregman, I don't know if he's done any better. No, uh, Bregman's had a bad year, like not terrible, but just slightly not good. better. Yeah, slightly better. Yeah, the Nolan powers, Aronado. the powers, mother. He's up to twenty home runs now. Okay, yeah, three win player. Yeah. Okay, so so he's uh, got out of the rut that he. So maybe Arenado goes up this list. At number three, maybe it's just a weird. I don't know. There's so many like, like the elite guys like Arenado and Machado have made people a little skeptical. Austin Riley's had a MVP type year. Devers has been just kind of like normal. Yeah, I mean, one thirty. He's having a Devers year. Like it's 
not great, oh. but it's good. Like all offensively, he's a better fantasy player, I think, than real life player at this yeah. point. This might be um, another Gunnar Henderson thing. If if Gunnar Henderson is is the last third baseman sitting there, you you might just have to yeah pull up the Henderson. gun and just yeah. take it before you get stuck in that dead zone again. Because yeah, we're ex- we're expecting a dead zone. Maybe Josh Young gets up. Hey, Jordan Walker gets ranked up there. I will be completely content drafting Yandy Diaz. Heimer Candelario gets moved up. Maybe, yeah. He's the third. I mean, because remember, he was up around that 10, 12 range after, uh, what was it, 2020 and 2021, the solid years that he had. Who, oh, Candelario? Yeah, when he had a uh, lot of doubles. Oh, no, I don't remember him being productive. And no, any he had fantasy. like a really, it was really good. Uh, tw- Yeah, 2021. He had um 42 doubles. How many RBIs did he have? Well, it was a shitty team. 67, but 120 WRC yeah. plus. And he was really good in 2020 as well. I so, yeah. just remember always being disappointed getting ending up with Heimer Candelario on my team. So I don't know, man. Well, it was always uh, the terrible oh, ballpark for him. 356 <laughs> Woba. Oh, that's the expected Woba. 344 Woba. That's pretty damn good still. Yeah. But and I, he had 373 in the COVID year. Damn. I just like I said, that was like, it was a really good stretch for those two years for him. Yeah. I mean, and he's he always had terror. He was terrible. And. 2022 he's always had that potential that hit tool and that maybe a little bit of raw power but you're right that tiger's ballpark is it's good that he's out awful needless and but at any rate i mean look he's the third best third baseman according to offensive runs above average and he has the rate stats to back it up 353 on base this is heimer candelario by the way 353 on on base 359 woba 125 (laughs) that would be fun that wouldn't that be messed up? The Cubs trade him and then they see him go to Milwaukee only to terrorize him for the next five years. That, well, it's like I, I know that like they were interested in trading for him at the deadline. Can can it the just Cubs just happen. can the Cubs just get both Heimer Candelario and Isaac Paredes back in the team? Nope. Make the Cubs great again. And you're not gonna even get Cody Bellinger. <laughs> I, I'm okay with that. I, I know I, I I saw a Cubs fan on Twitter right before we started the show. Was it Melvin? It, no, it, it was just Hoyer must keep Bellinger. That's like every Cubs if, fan. He goes, unless we get Otani. And I'm just kind of like, hee, 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 hee. That's like every that's Cubs. That's every Cubs fan I know that wants Bellinger back. Like we're just going to pretend the last two or three years where he was hitting 200 and striking out at at an awful rate. All of a sudden, everything that, that was plaguing him with the Dodgers, the Dodgers couldn't figure it out, but the Cubs were able to figure it out. Come on. Come on, guys. We're smarter than that. At least I thought we were. But anyway, yeah, I can see Jaime Candelario getting ranked up. He's the third best third baseman going right now. Spencer Steer might get ranked up. Possibly. Uh, Curtis Mead. Oh, but then we go back to... We go back... I think you're proud of me here. Jake Berger, Patrick Wisdom were my two worst (laughs) third baseman to draft. Both 30% strikeout guys. Last I checked, right? Right? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, so yeah, it might be another thing where Gunnar Henderson, you have to you have to pull the gun on Gunnar <laughs> Henderson. Uh, who's the guy you're disappointed? At? Just give me a quick blurb, blurb um, about the guy you are you got wrong at third base. Was it Eugenio Suarez? I could put that down for you. <laughs> so you're completely you were like, completely like wrong. I said, about... I, I, I'm not like I I've never been the huge pro Suarez guy. It's just I recognize what he is in fantasy, which yeah. is a cheap source of power. Like, not, if not, dra- not, if not if you're drafting, not if you're drafting, not if you're drafting him eighty or hundred picks above ahead of a guy who's just like him. I guess third base would probably be 
it's like I almost want to say Jose Ramirez, but it's like Jose Ramirez hasn't even been that bad. No, he like, hasn't. It's, 18, it's, 18. Yeah, but like a 121 WRC plus for him is kind oh, of. Oh, now like, you want to look at the race stats for these guys. No, this no, no, no. It's just. Okay. I'm not going to even. Okay. Uh, it's not Jose Ramirez. It's uh, just. Uh, I don't know. You um, know. Probably yeah. Bohm. Thank like you. I said, I, I, I really like Bohm and I, I liked him. And especially when I realized, you know, when Reese Hoskins got hurt, he was going to go to first base. I thought that was going to take a lot of like the mental side off from him. He had a really good like beginning of the year. And it's like to the average eye, you look 285 average, 338 on base. It's like, okay, that's pretty solid. It's just, I want more. Yeah. I mean, he is, he is, no, he's having a decent year. I mean, I'm not going to take that away from him. 19th best overall among third basemen in terms of offensive runs above average. Um, But he's, behind guys like Patrick Wisdom and Willie Castro and Taylor Walls and uh, a guy of his caliber and his pedigree. That should, this is what, his fourth year now? Third uh, year? Third, I think COVID year was his first. So, yeah, the, well, yeah, COVID year was his first, so this is his fourth. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, where's the big jump? Ahead? Where's the big step forward for a guy like this guy? It, it, it's like the, the Yandy Diaz um, problem. It's, what, he uh, hits too, too many ground balls? Too many ground balls. Yeah, oh, that'll mess you up. I mean, but it's like solid play to uh, like approach, like keeps the walks and strikeouts yeah. in check. It yeah. hits the ball relatively hard. It's just yeah, to the ground. Hard. I mean, yeah. a big right. guy like him. I mean, this is a career low ground ball rate for him, though. So it's like you can kind of see. Yeah, he hasn't gotten the immediate results yet. But if he's been able to make that adjustment, maybe he's just one season away from really tapping into more home run power yeah we'll see about that he's gonna be it looks like he's gonna be 27 next year so mm-hmm. i mean if you're a believer of that the magical 20 age 27 season which we all well i don't know if you know this but or i don't know if you agree with this or not but i think that's just a crock i mean your peak is your peak no matter where it ends where where, where it begins and where it ends put it on a shirt. everybody your peak is your peak your peak is your peak <laughs> I mean, it, it, your peak could have been I mean, Eloy Jimenez's peak was like what age 23 season it's been all downhill since he can't stay healthy that was his peak <laughs> uh like I'm not gonna take this away too much from away from bomb I mean 338 on base 333 Woba 107 WRC plus I mean that's those are decent numbers for a guy that you were drafting what as the I mean third base used to be a deep position now it just makes me sad to see how weak it has been yeah. but Top 10 third baseman, and you probably drafted him, you, the general you, you would have drafted him like super late in the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, 170th overall, so what is that? 170th and a 12 team. He's going to end the year with probably 90-ish RBIs. He's already at 77. So, so. Four, 14th round. I mean, we got guys celebrating reaching for outfielders in the, in the ninth round. Yeah. Running victory parade. So, Alec Baum, that could have been your victory parade in the 14th round. But still... I, I mean, as a guy who's also was a big fan of Alec Baum, I don't want to. I, I don't have the patience for that. I mean, we see <laughs> guys like Gunnar Henderson, you know, in only his second year, his first full season, I might add, doing wonders. Rafael Dev- Devers is like not even, not even twenty three years old, and he was already busting up baseballs at that young of an age, and he's left handed, so you know he was getting neutralized. Who? Devers. Oh, oh! I thought you were talking what, about. Bo. I'm sorry. I I just saw a Ken Rosenthal report that the Brewers made a significant push to try to trade for Pete Alonso at the deadline. Oh, nice! What went wrong? I don't know, but they, they want, could try again in the offseason. 
They didn't want to get. They want to give up Robert Gasser. Shit. If I'm the Mets, I'm holding your ass over a barrel. Give me Garrett Mitchell, Jacob Mazierowski. Uh, probably I'm gonna have a bunch of Mets fans calling for my head for even entertaining that. But shit, do it. <laughs> anyway, that is the list. That's infield. We might have to just go the rest of the month to just do this and concentrate on outfield, starting pitcher, relief pitchers. Although it might go by faster. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I feel like the infield positions are much, much more heated because not every position is deep, as we saw with mm-hmm. third base. And it's usually top heavy, the biggest superstar players on, on, on in those positions. And I'll feel, well, I mean, you yourself said it before. I'll feel just ridiculously deep. Yeah. It's it's criminally deep. But like you mentioned, I think it's shortstop maybe. There's plenty of landmines as we're going to get to next mm-hmm. time. Plenty of landmines at outfield as well. Final words from you, Mr. Flannery. What do you got for me? Oh, this was a marathon, especially since we did it later at night compared to usual. And now I'm like, I'm ready for, I'm ready for Betty by time. I got usually, go. we, I gotta... usually we do the, do these shows, you know, Sunday mornings and we pushed it this week and I'm not like, I don't know. I'm used to like going straight from this and doing something. Well, and now I'm something. like, I'm just going to, finish this and then go straight to bed <laughs> well anyway yeah next time off field and maybe pitchers in one episode and get that out get those out of the way but you know this was a very spirited position uh uh very spirited episode what did we learn i don't know what we learned uh i mean for every right answer you don't get, like a Eugenio Suarez. no i mean don't draft guys you feel like you have to draft get the guys you want but don't be stupid and pay foolish prices. Like, oh, hey, I don't know. Sometimes you got to draft for need. No, you don't. Sometimes you do. No, you don't. Sometimes, sometimes you do. Yeah. Have you ever you... had your draft plan just go ape shit sideways and like you're scrambling? Come yeah, on. Uh, that all, happens all the time. All the time. Yeah. But yeah, you, 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 you got to make up for it somewhere. You and sometimes shouldn't. you have to make a pick you don't like. No, you don't. Yes. Not, not it. I mean, unless you absolutely, you're like the biggest Eugenio Suarez fan, which you're, you yourself are not. Why would not. I recommend, why would then you recommend anyone to draft Eugenio Suarez, especially as early as going this season? This, he, uh, was, in March. he was going 140 overall. Average, average price. It was 140, like 140. 140. Yeah. It was 140. For, for 30 home run, 85 RBIs, I would take it. No, nah, no. Nah. Yeah. That's see, but you're that you're 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 trying to pay for what he did in the past. You're trying to no, it's it's a proven, that's all it is. It's a proven commodity. I mean, just yeah, it's proven. But this, like we said, your peak is your peak. You know what comes after <laughs> peaks? Declines. I mean, he's only what thirty two. Yeah, he's old as hell. Thirty two. No, we know he, that, 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 he, there's he no more young. steroids. He, he came up young. He never did steroids. Yeah. Okay. He just. That 50 home run season was clean as a whistle that year. Right? It was 2019. I don't care. <laughs> you could have hit 50 home runs. No. Yeah, he's he's no, a... no I would have needed some special juice. And just like he did, he, he needed some special juice that <laughs> he year. He just so turned be... 32. So yeah, this that, was his age 31. 31. Season. Yeah. I mean, come on. Why why go for a 31 year old when there's like plenty of good 24 year olds debu- out there? I always forget he debuted for Detroit too. Jesus. Oh, at age 22 and 2014. Oh. But yeah, uh but yeah, don't don't do what Sean did. Don't don't get Eugenio Suarez. Don't get players you're gonna regret later. I mean, that's something that I think I'm learned. just gonna name this when I posted the Eugenio Suarez episode. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, we'll get all the Mariners fans listening to all the two of them listening to our Eugenio Suarez paradox. 
Ooh. But no, it's like, why draft players you don't you don't like at all? And they're gonna make you miserable when you can get guys you can get excited for and you can because actually been, believe in. I'm gonna hark back to what I said at the beginning. Because feeling good and smiling doesn't score freaking runs. Yeah, it doesn't score runs. Hitting bombs like, scores runs. But I mean, you last I checked. I'm Big Al and I hit dingers. Last I checked, Young still has more hormones than Junio Suarez, and Young is hurt. So yeah, I'm hope you guys are happy being miserable having Eugenio Suarez. I, I never team. said Josh Young didn't have power. I just said it wasn't as a, a proven commodity. Like yeah, Suarez. but I mean, just but still, I mean, 31, 32 years old. That there's no guarantee that he'll do it again. There's no guarantee that all of a sudden that he's gonna get a second peak out of this in a in a league that we know now. That there's no more rabbit balls and pitchers are but still I mean, throwing the high had amount good of years velocity even after the rabbit ball. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, Let's, even though like he had like what are day, good years? He had one years bad season? year. Well, okay, are, he had he had a league average year and a bad year. Don't 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 pick Eugenio Suarez anymore. That's my recommendation to everybody who's listening at this point. Oh, don't God. select Eugenio Suarez. I don't care that. I mean, we we've been on this for what four or five years now. What's the yeah. one thing that our guy Mario Magola taught us a long time ago? Don't make selections that you feel you have to make because when you do that. That's when you get yourself in trouble. Yeah. He was honest. He said that on this podcast four or five years ago. He said I know, that. I know. I remember. Do you? Do I, you now? I just, I don't. All right. Eugenio, I, I, I tend Eugenio, to agree with it, but. Eugenio Suarez is hitting 31 home runs in 2021. It comes with a $1.98 average and a 286 yeah, that, on base percentage. That, that was a bad year. That was a bad year. Oh, but he had 30 home runs though. Oh my goodness. No. And, and then look what he did last year. 2022. Even going into a harder park to hit him. Yeah, 131 uh, still, WRC plus. Still with a really high strikeout rate, which we recommend not doing, but we're going to make yeah. an exception. Oh, but, you, but, you, but, but you'll go after Josh Young. Yeah, because yeah, uh, the upside's there. You got to yeah. go with the upside sometimes. Because, you, you know, because 31 home runs, but you're striking out 31%, and you're coming with a 236 average and a 332 on base percentage, which, I mean, I guess it's high for a guy like Eugenio Suarez, but still it's a 332 on base percentage from a premium position. I don't think so. Not for me, man. Not for me. I don't want that shit in my life. And then this year, he he has 18 home runs, so he's not even gonna get to 30 unless he pulls a Sammy Sosa in '98. Then you really gotta, then you really gotta wonder what the hell he's on. And he comes with a 3.25 on base percentage, which I could have told you that. I bet I bet you're having lots of fun with Eugenio Suarez in on base percentage leagues, aren't you? (laughs) As opposed to oh, I don't know, a guy like Josh Young with a high pedigree, high prospect. High prospect uh, lineage there. Yeah, because those those blue chip prospects never. I, fail, right? We we talk about they, all they the time, fail. but they we talk fail. about all the time. But I'd rather have a blue chip prospect with that potential than a Eugenio Suarez who has a lot of deficiencies. I mean, he's basically a Dolores Garcia without the stolen base potential. Uh, Eugenio Suarez is, and we did we bitch out uh, a Dolores Garcia every single time we get a chance to do so. All right, in twenty twenty one, Triple A first season for Josh Young. 22.6% strikeout rate with a 366 on base percentage, 396 Woba, 140 WRC plus. That's what you're, I mean, we're not asking for identical numbers, but if we can foresee. But that, was also, that was also pre-shoulder surgery. 
Right, right. And you, I mean, and what, you, don't, you, back, you, don't dra- you don't ever draft pitchers who just come out of Tommy John surgery or had just come back from shoulder surgery. You, you, know, you don't draft no, those guys ever? I expect ever? to pay the appropriate price for them, which Josh yeah. Young was at this year. Okay, then pay the appropriate price and be happy. Don't be, don't tell people to be miserable with Eugenio Suarez. Come on, draft man. both. <laughs> no, I mean, what? Oh. Yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely, I, I'll give you that. I, I can compromise with that. You, you draft yeah. Eugenio Suarez early with the idea that Josh Young is going to be eventually yeah. your number one guy when it's all said and done. There like we said, go, we found the compromise. Yeah, like I said, Nate, striking up a deal, Nate Lowe and Vinny Pasquantino. At first base for me, that's your Eugenio Suarez and Josh Young at third base for you. Okay. Uh, take us home. Anyway, that's Sean. I am Felipe. I'm going to go get some dinner, and we'll see you next time. Adios.